interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 64 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host here joining me. Rob, introduce yourself. I I prefer my jellyfish on toast. Thank you very much. That's disgusting, but <laughs> I'll allow it. Uh, and Josh, go ahead, man. No. Oh, man. Hello, humans and whatever Rob is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week for our comics, we will be covering uh, a lot of titles, to, to put it shortly, but specifically, we will be looking at uh, Monkey Prince number zero, Robins number one, Refrigerator Full of Heads number one, Catwoman Lonely City number one, Nubia and the Amazons number one, I'm sensing a theme here. Batman Secret Files, Peacekeeper, number one, Shazam, number four, Batman 115, Nightwing 85, Catwoman 36, Suicide Squad, number eight, Superman Son of Kal-El, number four, Green Lantern, number seven, and Flash 775. Now, of course, we cannot go through every single one of these titles in detail because we would be here for four hours, and that is insane. All of us have lives to live, so... For Monkey Prince through Shazam, we will be doing a lightning round where we are going to just blow through the books, give our scores and our brief thoughts, and then move on to the regular titles where we actually spend some time on them. So uh, stay tuned for that. And of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books for the week, the biggest stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. But before we get going with the show, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month, and thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share episodes so we can get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. But with that out of the way, let's get into some news. Guys, what's new with you this week? What's new with uh, DC? What's, uh, what's going on? Uh, honestly, when you <clears throat> said Monkey Prince, it just reminded me, I haven't watched it yet, but a trailer for Hitmonkey, the <laughs> animated series, has dropped. I, I didn't know that. I didn't even know there was a Hitmonkey animated yeah, series. That's kind of awesome. Doing that. I think it's Hulu, but I could be wrong. Yeah. What in the hell is a Hitmonkey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Glad you asked. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's like Hitman meets Bobo Detective Chimp. Yeah, it's like... Hitman, uh, as in like Hitman 47? Yeah. yeah it, it, I guess wow. someone someone had the bright idea, actually, Daniel Way, who I think was writing Deadpool at the time, had the bright idea of what if we had a monkey assassin type character that runs around in a suit and is basically exactly what Rob described, which is Hitman. Running around with the suit and the red tie, just taking names and and just being a badass, I guess. But I I had no idea that he was popular enough to warrant his own animated series. So now that you told me that, I'm gonna have to like try and track it down. Yeah, hilarious. I I gotta watch the trailer. It's it's wild that they're going that direction. But hey, there was a um, Howard the Duck movie. So oh yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And they had they had the the Modok animated shit series, so I mean I guess anything's possible, no matter how Modoc, obscure that, the that, character. 
I thought that shit was funny. Yeah, that show was wild. It was great. Doc is such a wine ass. They couldn't have picked a better guy to play him. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> Anything else going on out there in the comic book world? Oh, we got a big tease from Rom. Well, I'm not going to say big because there wasn't much to the tease. But for Rom V, he tweeted today, back like two and a half hours ago, he has an upcoming Marvel project uh, that he says is brand new. And in his words, it is the most twisted thing he's ever come up with interesting yeah see i also i possibly concerning yeah i'm (laughs) see i i I mean i guess maybe it is something new but when rob first told us about that i just assumed it was like oh it was just a scene that he put in um in venom since he and al ewing are taking over the venom title or actually relaunching the venom title um in like two weeks actually um but Maybe it's a new book. That'd be cool. Yeah. I I was thinking when you mentioned the that he's taking over Venom, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe it is that. But then I, I saw the tweet again, and he did say it was something brand new. Mm. Yeah. So that's even more exciting. Who knows what it is? Yeah. And, um... There was I kind of just came in my wire today. I didn't realize it was even a thing. I just kind of look up the publisher again real quick. There was a movie came out I think this year, but I saw it last year called Willy's Wonderland. Was that was that the one with Nick Cage? It's, yeah, the, yeah, the, where he the punches. Yeah, he, he punches animatronics. That movie was yeah ridiculous. It it's basically if you haven't seen it, it's basically. Five Nights at Freddy's yep. movie, yep. but Nicolas Cage wins. Yeah, it is. It's, it's Nicolas Cage. He has to win. <laughs> it is utterly ridiculous. Well, I found today that there is a comic for Willy's Wonderland, and it's a prequel to the movie. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I did not think this was possible. Jesus. It's by American Mythology Productions. It's written by S. A. Check and oh James Sahorik. And I guess so. <laughs> that movie was like just utterly. Re- it was like such yeah. a a. You could tell it was like I don't know. I I don't know that much about Nick Cage other than he's kind of weird. But that movie felt like such a vanity project where it was just like I'm just gonna show up, fucking beat the shit out of the animatronics and look badass and have a cool car when I arrive. And it's like that was a terrible Nick Cage, but. Even still, like it was just like this is so ridiculous. Who who is actually gonna watch this? And oh, I, I watched it reluctantly, yeah, I watched but it. I fucking loved it. Really? Also, it was was it the right level of cheese and ham? Was it was it a like a wide release or was it wasn't it on like Quibi or something like that? I don't even remember. Oh, I'm not sure. Quibi was like only fifteen minute shows. But, yeah, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw it on Netflix. Yeah, it just yeah, all I remember it was like on some streaming platform. Oh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like movies. Yeah, no. Like, not like movie movies. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that's... It's it's a wild, wild, wild fucking movie. And uh, the comic is... It's... I don't know. If, if you really enjoyed the wackiness of the movie, you might not get the same wackiness from the comic. It's mostly just gore. But it's interesting. If you're a big fan of the movie, I'd say check it out. It's, yeah, all 15 of you... <laughs> first of all you need to find the people that actually watched it because like, hey, again i think it was just streaming fans out there 
works. I guess so. You've you've been on the subreddit One True God, right? I have not. Oh, you need to check that shit out. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll dig some Nicolas Cage. It's just if you're going to watch a Nicolas Cage movie, you gotta know what you're getting into yeah. first. You have to be ready for Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, uh, probably more so now than in the past. I don't know. There's like there's like some movies that he's done recently that are like pretty decent where he's like he's not totally hamming it up and it's it's somewhat enjoyable like the um um what was it called i think it was it was like the guy who did like crank or something um it's called mom and dad yeah brian taylor that was it and he also did that happy tv show not nick cage but brian taylor and um anyway he did that movie with mom and dad with nick cage and like selma blair i think and that one wasn't bad. It was also like weird and crazy, but I, I think it kind of worked more there. But um, I don't know. I, I saw I saw Willy's Wonderland somewhere. And I was like, I'm not watching this again. <laughs> I don't want to watch this again. I mean, all you gotta do is watch his death scene, Nick Cage's death scene in Kick Ass. God. And it just tells you everything you need to know about Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. He's actually, I'll I'll give him that. He's he's pretty enjoyable in that movie too. I guess. National Treasure Face Off. <laughs> National oh, Treasure. Oh hell yeah, that was a that that is probably my favorite. See, I oh think, my god! Like, end of the world shit. I think those kind of disaster movies are crazy, but I kind of throw National Treasure in with it because it's like this. I don't even know how to really define that movie. Isn't it just like but, like your standard kind of like oh you know seek and find action type movie that's all i remember from the first national treasure yeah yeah it's like we gotta find the declaration of independence or some some such there's a map written on the back yes you know shit's gonna happen and it it was a dan brown book for kids yeah exactly that is exactly (laughs) it there you go that is exactly it it is uh is indiana jones for the well, maybe not quite as gritty, but like that type of movie for the Disney crowd. There you go. However, uh, Willy's Wonderland is not. No, no. <laughs> it sounds like it is, but it's not. Definitely not. I mean, if you were looking for nothing, like nothing that is, I don't know, more thoughtful or anything, if you were literally just looking for like, I just want to watch someone beat up on animatronics. Please, by all means, watch it. I'm sure you will get a great time out of it. But I just, I was, I was like, this is the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, oh, or God. if you've ever watched, if you've ever played uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, yeah, and it's it's scared you and made you jump, you you might enjoy this because it feels like a little bit of payback. Or if you've ever potentially like, been a. Uh... A watch, uh, like watching a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, and <laughs> oh yeah, animatronics I'll, I'll give you that. You the wrong way, and oh, this will fulfill all your dreams. Yeah, <laughs> and the guys in those suits are such dicks. Usually, like they just they clearly don't want to be there. And honestly, I can't really blame them for that. I just I remember like when I would go to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, it's like all the people in the suits are clearly like they're just so done, so low energy. They they clearly just just do not want to be involved in this job at all. And you don't get it when you're a kid, but looking back, you're like, oh yeah, I kind of get it. Like, that, that is kind of a shitty job to have. I wouldn't want to be there. 
I mean, you, right. you, you get paid probably next to nothing for kids to just kick you all day long. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, he's just looking down at you going, dickhead. Yeah. You're like super hyper. Do you, do you want a beer or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care anymore. <laughs> oh, I've, yeah, I've, I know. I've, I've heard jokes or like stories and apparently that's something that people would do. Like they would get drunk, like in the suits or something like that. Yeah, they would. They would try and like hide being drunk by just dressing the costume so you can't, you know, see them as they're clearly inebriated or something. And like, obviously, you could probably smell it. I don't know. It's like, it just it, that that just seems so crazy to me. But honestly, it sounds pretty believable. Like, well, I, I feel like way to keep a smile on all day. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just I feel like that's how you would numb the pain of having to go to a job like that every day. Just alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> It'd have to be something. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, get in where you fit in and make that paper boo boo. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, working at an animal in Chuck E. Cheese is probably only one step up from being a sign spinner for Liberty Tax. Oh God. Regular sign spinners, you know, I mean, hey, y'all, you're you're out there doing it. The ones that work for Liberty Tax got to dress up like the Statue of Liberty yeah, and do those it. Poor oh, those poor bastards. Those poor people, yeah, man. That's oh, some bullshit. Yeah. Did you know Scott Snyder dressed up as the costume when he was working at Disney? No, I didn't. Yeah, because he apparently, and I I never heard this before in my life, but apparently, like right out of college, when he's looking for work um, and you know trying to determine what he wanted to do as a writer, he took a job as a janitor at like a Disney in I think Florida or something, and basically ended up working as the janitor and occasionally filling in as the. Um, as some of the characters, and I forget what characters he was, but if you look it up, I'm sure you can you can see. But I just I heard that I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like I guess we all got to start somewhere, but like my God, I, I don't know. I feel like at that point I'd just rather take a job at McDonald's or Burger King or something. Like I don't want to dress up as fucking Mickey Mouse for however many hours. I mean, even if it's something you enjoy, I mean, Disney is like. Very hard to work for. They govern your entire life yeah. just because you dress up like Snow White. Yeah, you know? exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, not even the people who you know whose faces get seen. You know, the one who dresses up like Mickey Mouse too. Yeah, shoot, you're not even allowed to tell people who you are there outside of the outside of the park. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yep, yep. I found it right here. If you go to Wikipedia right now, I worked at Disney World as a janitor at Magic Kingdom. I worked my way up to a character. I was Eeyore, Buzz Lightyear, and Pluto. Oh, wow. it's like, oh my God! So, so let it let it be known. Anyone out there listening who may aspire to be a comic book writer and feel like you're kind of stuck at a, a dead end job right now, it is never too late for you. If someone who is ex- as as successful as Scott Snyder and has done Batman, Superman, and a million other projects can start by working at fucking Disney World and Magic Kingdom, you can too. So, oh, yeah. there you go. Side note, even outside of comic books, did you know that Brad Pitt was discovered taking a break as a dancing chicken? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That is hilarious. He, he was dressed in a chicken costume oh, and he God. was dancing out front of the restaurant and he went around the side of it, took his head off and uh, started bullshitting with somebody and that's how he was discovered. That's amazing. Wow. 
right? I guess I should take a job at Liberty Mutual then. Liberty? Yeah, yeah no get kidding. discovered. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would learn how to flip those signs, though. That, that actually does look pretty cool. That takes a lot of skill, I think. It yeah. Like well, like, practice. I mean, you've... It'd you've, be cooler to do it with a glaze. Yeah, well, I mean, you've, you've... I'm sure you guys have seen, like, the guys who, like, flip it over their shoulders and, like, throw it in the oh, air yeah. and catch it and shit like that. Yeah. And it's like, I have oh, yeah. no idea how they do that. Uh, lots of practice, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. But, like, how do you even begin to practice that? Yeah, <laughs> and also, like... Video game. Just mad dedication yeah. for a job where you're literally standing in front of something, like, promoting a car wash or whatever man you do what you gotta do right? i guess so but find what you're good at and stay. yeah and you can't deny <laughs> you can't deny that it does get people's attention it definitely it does. definitely does and on top of that wouldn't want to see that fucker with a lightsaber no no you would not <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure yeah uh, um uh i read something really really weird <laughs> uh just a couple of days ago here uh, Michael Davis. Do you guys know who that is? No, who's that? Uh, he is one of the co-founders of Milestone. Oh, okay. And, I mean, he's way more than that, dude. Uh, he created Static uh, based a, a lot off his own personal life. Nice, nice. Uh, he ran a mentorship program that spit out Bernard Chang, Chris Sotomayor, John Paul Leon, a whole lot more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those guys are great. He created the Action Files, which is literally the only comic book-based curriculum uh, in schools, and it's still used today. Uh, he He's creating another reading program with Wayne Brady called Level Next. He helped co-found Milestone, and he had to apply for the Milestone Initiative. Huh. <laughs> the, the Milestone Initiative, for those out there that don't know, is a program made by DC to promote black and up underrepresented comic book creators. Yeah. And, and just people looking to, uh, to break in in general. I, I actually, it's funny about an hour before we started recording, I was, um, just proofreading my own submission. Cause, um, you know, it just like, it seemed like a good, a good way to just try and, and do something fun. So one of the criteria is, um, you have to write an eight page script. And they give you like a scenario. So um, before we started recording, That's pretty cool. yeah, before we started recording, I was literally just looking over my my script, and the prompt they gave us was like a, just a short little blurb for um, Icon and Rocket, and uh, you know, basically try and come up with uh, an interesting scenario for them. And um, yeah, I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I can I can practice some script writing and, and see what I can do. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, it. Uh, but yeah, no, I the. the that's crazy that he had to apply for the milestone initiative too, because that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's really, yeah, it's really like, uh, you know, everyone kind of has to start somewhere. Right. It's, it's just, you know, he started like way back when milestone did. I just, I find it odd that he would have to apply to, to, to work there when he helped create it. Yeah. That's, I mean, if we're bringing it back and I mean, this is the guy who invented static shock and, co-founded the company why wouldn't you bring him back in automatically yeah that that uh this seems strange it, it does that's the only thing i had to complain about other than mm. that my window's almost finished i've nice. got a wall good <laughs> the whole nine yards it's wonderful man still need to paint it but oh that'll come winter's coming uh, so that's uh, kind of yeah. priority yeah <laughs> 
But that's all the news I got. That's all the news that's fit to print. I guess we'll get into the comic books. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't really have any any other you know major news other than um, uh, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep pimping out the to to be very crass about it. I'm just gonna keep pimping out the Scott Snyder um, comicsology books because. They're just so great, and and like I've just been, Ain't that the truth? yeah, I've I've just been reading them every week that they come out, and it's like it's just a nice, like almost like a Christmas present that I get every Tuesday, which is just really right. nice. So the most recent one was Night of the Ghoul. That's him and Francesco Francavilla, who is amazing, and it's a uh, like a yeah. horror themed one, perfect for Halloween in October. Uh, basically about him discovering, you know, an old kind of lost film reel and some of the secrets that are. Uh, embedded in that and it's just really great so i'm going to keep promoting those as long as they keep coming out but um you know if you have amazon prime or if you have comiXology unlimited they're available to you there personally even though it feels hypocritical to say this because like i'm certainly no fan of amazon prime but of the two i would probably go with that one just because i feel like it's it gives you better access to that and other media that you might be interested in um but yeah, it's like, as of now, his whole, like, imprint has three books out. Uh, we have Demons, Clear, and then Night of the Ghoul, like I just mentioned, and all three are just excellently made. So I would definitely recommend checking them out and, uh, and giving them a shot. But that's all I got. I don't have any other mentions. Oh, yeah. And, well, I don't, Witches, Witches isn't, he's not Witches is it, not there. Well, the weird I'm thing hoping. is, he is doing another book with Jock called, I want to say, Book of Evil, and it's like something a, along those lines. Yeah, he, it's he advertised that like two years ago. Yeah, it's like a, uh, it's like a book. Uh, no, it's like a, a prose slash comics hybrid. Like, um, did you guys ever read AD After Death from Snyder and Lemire? Uh, I have not. Yeah, so that that was like kind of a similar thing where it was Scott Snyder was basically just like, hey. My buddy, Jeff Lemire, like, let's do like a, almost like a graphic novel project where parts of it will be just text, just prose with some images, uh, in between. And then parts will be, um, you know, like straightforward comic stuff. And then I guess he's teaming up with Jock to basically do the same thing. Um, and I don't really know what the story's about, but I know he's like kind of advertising that whole thing on his newsletter. So, but no, no witches, I'm afraid. I don't know. Like, I want to believe if Saga can b- come back, witches can definitely come back. But I mean, it's, the, it's been the a little last while. Time, uh, he was on. Oh, what's his name? Uh, John. Um, John Sutras. John Sutras. Yeah, word balloon. Yeah, the last time he was on there and was interviewing with John, he said that uh, witches is something he does want to pick up. Yeah, but he just doesn't know when. Because he's got so many other ideas. Yeah, it's like I think I think it's really just a matter of time. I don't think it's a it will never happen. It just you got to find the right time for it. I hope so. Yeah. I love that's probably my favorite story by him. Yeah, no, which is I think is probably that and oh my god, voice crack. That and uh, that and um, uh, American Vampire probably like tied. Oh god, yes. Yeah, like I um. I think I was just, I was feeling some kind of way during quarantine, but like, I, I think I'd read the first volume of American Vampire and I was like, yeah, all right. And I just kind of like, just 
didn't really pick up on it. And then during quarantine, I just blew through the entire fucking series. Like, every single mini-series they had, all, like, 36 issues, all the specials that they put out. I, I don't know what was in the water, but I was just like, I just, I, I need to read it, and I need to read it now. Um, Did you read the second spin on that one? The, um, oh shit, what was it called? Uh, <laughs> I want to say American Vampire 1776. But no, it was uh, 1976, and 1976. I have read the first half, but I have not finished the rest of it. That's the only one I haven't read, but I read the entire first series, second cycle, um, Survival of the Fittest, and the other miniseries that I'm forgetting, and then the two like anthology specials that they put out. So I, bl- I blew through the entire fucking thing. Like, I was... I was just like hungry about it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'm with you, Josh, on that one. Like, wishes, wi- wishes, witches holds kind of a special place in my heart. And like, that was the, probably the first creator owned thing I ever read from Scott. And I, I just really loved it. And it, it was so perfect for me too. Like, I don't, I don't mean to ramble, but like, I just, I read that at like, I want to say like 2.30 a.m. on like a Friday because I couldn't sleep and it was just sitting there. And I was like, why don't I just read it now? Like, I don't have anything to do. And it was, it was so perfect for that. Cause it was like pitch black outside. And you had those scenes of like, you know, the, um, <laughs> the witches like in the trees clawing after Sailor. And you're just like, oh, oh yeah. Fuck, that is so scary. But so perfect yep. for like late at night. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we just watched Halloween, uh, kills here. Yes. Uh, how did you like and, it? Uh, <laughs> Oh, I loved it, yeah. dude. I am a huge fan of this, and I, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Uh, but um, Holly, Holly, Holly likes horror movies, <gasps> but she's the kind of person that watches them between the... She watches them with one eye between the cracks in her fingers while the other one is buried into my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and she prefers to leave the lights on. She knows I... I much rather have it light lights off every light off so that only thing it's like a movie theater you know yeah and um we were sitting there watching halloween kills of course i was giving her her way and um because it's not that big of a deal but uh about half an hour in i'm just sitting there staring at it and she goes you really want to turn the lights off don't you I'm like, yes, it's Halloween. That's, of course, that's I do. That's the only way to watch it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, so, I, so, so I got to watch that one with the lights off. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I remember a couple of friends and I were watching the thing in like sophomore year, and we were like, "There is no way you can watch this with the lights on. Like, you need it to feel just pitch black, so you are just absolutely terrified." And it was like, I think we were watching it in like January or December or something, so it was cold as hell where we were. Which was perfect for the thing because it takes place in the Arctic. Um, so yeah, it was just uh, it was a good time. Yeah, we were just recording an episode for the Horror Pod and had to tip our hat Hell to yeah. the thing as the first uh, alien visiting Earth kind of horror movie. Yeah. But um, all right, man. I guess that's about it. Unless you guys want to make the whole episode about Scott Snyder, because I probably could. There's, we could. There's a lot of good. There's a little bit we of could. bad. I think. We... I, I've actually been thinking about this, and before we get into our lightning rounds, and and we can shut the hell up and actually get into the books you want to hear us talk about. But um, I think one thing we could do that might be really fun is like a almost like special episodes, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about this 
off the air, but, um, you know, it could be for Patreon or it could be just as kind of a, an extra special, but we could, we could almost do like a, a creator special episode where we basically just kind of sit around and really focus in on a creator's body of work and, um, you know, just kind of talk about certain techniques that we like, certain aspects of the writing that we like, everything. But I, I, I would love to do that. Like, I feel like that would just be a lot of fun because, um, there, there are lots of creators that I could just do total deep dives on. And it won't be just yeah, Grant absolutely. Morrison. I can hear everyone's thoughts now. It's be like, you're just going <laughs> to sit around for an hour and a half and talk about how much you love their work. And it's like, yes, I definitely could do that, but I won't. Uh, and I mean, we're not just going to, I mean, well, I'm all aboard this. I've actually thought about this and a couple of other ideas like character deep dives, like yeah. getting into the psychology of the character and whatnot. Oh, I'd love to do that too. We could, we could um, almost do like a, like a, um, an underrated series from certain characters, like, um, like a swamp thing. Like you could look at a, a run that doesn't get nearly enough credit or something and just be like, Oh yeah, this yeah. is great. Like there's a lot we could do. I think. I don't see why we can't do a whole bunch of that. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> but I, I think that's a really good idea. And I also think that it would be a lot of fun to pick creators that, um, you know, we're not just big, huge fans of, obviously. Oh, yeah, because. I'd love to do that, too. We, we could go on for probably three to four hours about Grant Morrison. I mean, if we started picking all of our favorites, Tom Taylor, Ron V, I mean, those are going to be big, huge, long episodes. Yeah. Because... And it'll it'll be big, huge, long episodes of us repeating ourselves. No, when we when so. Rob, when you tweet this episode out, um, actually, maybe you don't have to do this, but if we if we kind of finalize these plans, I I I want to I want to hear what people or what kinds of creators people would want to do because I can already think of an episode where I just force Josh to read a bunch of old uh, Bendis works. And I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna make him read all of those, and we're gonna do a deep dive on his career because I could totally do that easily. Like I I can I I will make you I will make you read the old caliber stuff like AKA Goldfish. I'll I'll make you read Powers. I'll make you read um what the fuck is it um uh Alias Daredevil of course Alias Daredevil New Avengers the whole works. If you guys wanna if you guys want this, let us know. And I, I can strong harm him. I can strong arm him into doing it, and we'll we'll have a good time. Because, like I you said, it, it. yeah, care? like yeah, like you like you said, <laughs> like you said, it doesn't have to just be creators that we like. It can be creators that maybe we're a little, you know, iffy on, but we can still yeah. examine their work a little further. Yeah, just don't make me read anything that Riley Rosmo is drawing. I will. I um, definitely will. That makes me so sad. Uh, that makes me so sad. <laughs> all right you guys want to get into the lightning round yeah let's do it uh, just one oh. one more plug that i thought of when you said special episode we recently if you haven't seen on twitter had a special episode with the pride group interviewing oh, yeah, that's right. chris that's files right. author of a little indie book called uh fanny galactic tuck to the future is just a wonderful book beautifully nice. written very fun definitely check it out Check out the interview. It's on all your streaming services now. Awesome. I can't believe I forgot that, man. Yeah, I, did, I didn't even... so much stuff going on. I know, I didn't yeah. even hear about that one, but I'll, I'll have to check it out. That was a lot For of sure. Fun. Well, I, I did the interview and I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, well, we're going to head on into the lightning reviews, and the way that we're going to do this is that each of us broke down and took books, because there's so many of them, and we're going to try and blow through the summaries, or at least give you a general idea of what's going on inside. That said, not all of us got a chance to read all of the books, because there's like 130 out this week. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to jump in and start this one off myself with Refrigerator Full of Heads. Get the one that's so far out of the universe as out of the way. Um, if This is going to largely depend on any of you guys having read it before, but it is written by Rio Ewers with art from Tom Fowler. Fowler. Jeez, none of us can talk to <laughs> But at least I'm not the, the only one. Bill Crabtree in Letters from And World Design. And it is wrapped in a cover by Sam Wolf Connolly. And you can check out the variant by Leo Max. It is freaking awesome. Uh, but so basically this is the beginning of the rest of the last story. If you enjoyed reading Basketful of Heads by Joe Hill, this is pretty much the sequel of that. It is the continuation of the story penned by somebody else, but under Joe Hill's imprint. Uh, which is Joe Hill Presents Hill House Comics, which I am super excited for. Yeah. But inside this book, you got a cursed axe, there's a great white shark, and a guy wearing a Frankie Say Relax shirt. If you guys read the first one, then you are already excited. This was crazy, but it was fun. I highly recommend you go pick it up. I'm not going to spoil what happens inside of this one. But, uh, yeah, Joe Hill is quite the storyteller. Go Go figure, it's genetics, I would assume. And this must is a be. great, yeah, this is a great continuation of that story, man. I, I gave this issue a 7 out of 10, just because it's the first issue and I'm a little leery about where it's going to go, but it it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I did not get a chance to read this one, but I was a big fan of the Hill House line and um, just everything that they were trying to do. And um, I didn't get to read all of the Hill House titles, but there were some that were really stand out. I think Plunge was probably my favorite. Him and us. Plunge, Plunge was the best. Yeah. And Basketful of Heads oh, yeah, yeah. was my second best. You know, Plunge, him, and, and Stuart Eminem um, just knocked it out of the park. And, and it's just like a really great, like, undersea kind of horror story, which I feel like we don't get too often. Um, yeah, even though I can't it's, remember. Oh, no, go ahead. I can't remember the name of that one with the little girl in it, but I did not like that one. It, not because it was done bad, but because it was, I don't know, was it, it was just creepy as was fuck, man. Was it Doll Dollhouse or Doll, yes, doll Family? House. Yeah, I think. That's, yeah, I, that's what it was. I want to say that was the one with um, um, Mike Carey, but I, yeah, yeah, it was like, um, I think, yeah, I think it's like Dollhouse Family. Yeah, Dollhouse Family. Yeah, and it, it, that 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 book just and I'm I'm a huge horror fan. I, I read a lot of horror books and comics and movies, and that one just was like, ew! It felt slimy to read. Yeah, it. no, they're. I mean, honestly, those are the best kind of horror stories—the ones that just really leave you fucked up, or you're just like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I, hey, that's I, I talked about Severed again. We don't want to talk too much about Scott Snyder, but that was a probably the most recent horror book I read, and it was literally just. Oh, I gotta like. I need to like go outside and walk around for a minute. Like, it's just my fucking head. It's just like it just leaves you just so like in such a bad place. <laughs> right. So you know it did its job. You gotta wonder if if the readers will feel that way. You can't even imagine what goes on in the writer's head. Oh God! You exactly. don't even want to see. 
<laughs> don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely don't want to read their text messages. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess we are going to jump over to the other one that is kind of outside the DC universe, but we are promised, or at least we were before, that this one is <laughs> crossing over with the DC universe at large. Rob, you want to shoot us in with uh, Monkey Prince? Gladly, yeah. So this is from Jean Luen Yang on writing mm-hmm. duties with art by Bernard Chang. And also, uh, yeah, I keep forgetting, he's artist, not colorist. <laughs> uh, in the flashback section, Billy Tan of Tan Comics. And colors from Sebastian Chang with Janice Chang on letters. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading this on the font, and the font is really hard to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this was, honestly, for me, this was a triumphant return for the Monkey Prince when we, we saw him in the special back in June, I believe it was, July. Yeah, something like that, yeah. back when it was first announced. And I, I think this, this blends really good elements from the original Journey to the West legend. And it's an, an interesting story that's sure to please. You get a nice little foray combining that legend with DC Comics. They're just fighting apocalypse and forces. All the... And it, it's a fun time. It's good. It is, yeah. It's as good as any of their cape books. I really enjoyed but it. But it does. It blends that shit really, really well. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it, especially if you like the the darker, more magical stuff. You probably will like this, even though it's not of the same vein. Yeah, but this, yeah, I think this this promises a a good run for this character, and I'm very excited to see where they take this character. It's an eight point five for me. Nice, very fun. Right on. Well, all right, let's swing it back into something not out side of the DC universe, but with something a little fucking crazy in it, that's for sure. I'm talking about Robin's number one, the winner of the round Robin's tournament, which I think was rigged, but in any case, uh. this is the deal, written by Tim Seeley, with our inside in <laughs> out by Baldemar Bavas and Ramayel uh. <laughs> No, it's just, I don't know, I was, it's dumb, but I was just thinking about like a, like a, a, a Rudy Giuliani-esque figure complaining about voter fraud in the, in the Rounds Robin tournament. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, ooh, gross. I don't have, like, black stuff streaking down my face. Yeah, dude. no, not not you. I okay. just, I was, ima- I was imagining, like, some fan just, like, oh, it was obviously rigged from the start. Like, uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, uh, uh, it had art inside and out by Baldemar Rivas and Romulo Fiardo Jr. and Steve Wands was on the lettering. And like I said before, this is the winner of the Round Robins tournament. And I was wrong. It's not just the Robins sitting around a table drinking coffee. Go figure. I think that's the fourth time I've been wrong in my life. But who's counting? <laughs> anyway, it is a bunch of wit and banter that you would hope to get from a group of the Robins getting together. During a normal case of taking down a group of anarchies, which I would like to point out that Rob comforted Brandon last week about anarchy getting shot and saying it could have just been anybody. Well, now we have confirmation that there are more than one. Yeah, yeah. So there's still hope. I'm I'm, I'm still rooting for my my boy Lonnie Mack. He's out there somewhere safe. That was just like a a fake that they found. I'm going to hold them to that, but I'm probably wrong. 
Right. Now, while they're out there taking down the anarchies, they are completely unaware that there is an evil delusional version of them out there that reminds me of the Robin King in a very bad way. Except female. I think she's I think the character is drawn intentionally female. But uh, I guess we will soon find out what that is. I gave the book an 8 out of 10 because I refuse to accept or even consider Rob's theory. <laughs> that if, if this is going the way I think it is, we're getting a in-universe canon version of Carrie Kelly. And it's going to be much better than any version we've had before. Oh, wow. I... I, if I'm I right. I, I haven't even had a chance to read Robins yet, so I have no idea, but I, I was pretty excited to see what this title would be, but that, that does sound pretty crazy. I know um, some of us are not big fans of Harry Kelly and the Dark Knight Returns universe as a whole, not naming names, At all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't think anybody <laughs> has to guess, man. <laughs> Yeah, not a big, huge fan of that idea, and I am actively just completely ignoring that possibility. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of the speaking of the Dark Knight Returns, there is another title on this list that I think was kind of similar to that book. Yeah, yeah, there was the uh, Catwoman Lonely City number one. Yeah, dude, this. Well, let me just let me just get into it. First, it was written, drawn, colored, lettered, and covered all by Cliff Chang. And, uh, there, there is a sweet variant cover from Jock out there too. Yeah, like, I love me some Jock, man. Go anytime Jock does a variant. Yeah, we were. I we wish were, I had the money to get. Oh, we were literally just. Sorry. Oh. 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 Hi, cat. I, I think he's. Sick. Hello. Oh no. That's okay. He's telling you no. Uh, sorry, guys. Pause a minute. <laughs> uh, go uh, ahead. Hey, everybody has family issues. We got to pause. Yeah, well, you know, it must have been serious if he was, you know, screaming that loudly. Yeah, Rob's animals are generally in the background, but they're rarely loud enough to. uh, Yeah, they're rarely loud. Mm -hmm. Rarely that loud. But anyway, um, let me get back to Catwoman, Lonely City, number one. All right, it is a very long issue to sum up in a lightning round, but I managed to pull it off. So, Lonely City is 10 years ago on Fool's Night, something nuts happened, and uh, Batman, Nightwing, James Gordon, and the Joker all died. Bruce willed his fortune to the city, meaning the city itself is filthy rich. There's some sort of magistrate-like protocols going on, but it's not the magistrate. Uh, Businesses are only accepting digital G-money currency and people have to wear G-collars or whatever they're called. It's it's very dystopian. And that same night that everybody died, Selena went to prison. Now this all happened 10 years ago. Now she's out in this book and she's trying to make sense of her place in a war-torn Gotham without a Batman. Without any kind of support system. And without without the abilities that she had the capabilities she's i believe they put her at 40 i forget what age they were that they they had her at in the book but it does say it and you know she's she's talking about not having uh, her knees is quite as good she can't move quite as fast anymore yeah so she's and, trying to and, figure out how to make a 
difference. Yeah, like even even when she goes to meet with Penguin, he kind of says like, "I know that you're not quite as spry as you used to be," and like cl- clearly she has aged at this point. Well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. she's definitely drawn as such, but aged and, pretty uh, fucking gracefully, I would say, considering. I mean, she looks, she looks yeah. still looks good. Probably yeah, a lot more. I mean, yeah, probably yeah, a lot more fucking ass out than I am now. Ha, 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 ain't that right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know she could kick my ass. That's yeah. for sure. But um, I thought that this was, I thought that this was pretty darn good um, for for a Dark Knight Returns sort of story. Mm. This was done, in my opinion, way, 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 way better. Well, and your opinion is I, wrong. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll continue. All right. Um. But uh, I, I thought that this was a really amazing opener, one hell of an opener, and I the potential has the the potential for the series is friggin' amazing. I think it's four books long. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, same length as uh, DKR. Yeah, yeah, but um, the release dates will be you know much more concise. Yeah, no, th- <laughs> well, actually, I think these are. Bi-monthly, so basically every other month. So the next one will be December, and then February after that, and then um, April. So assuming everything uh, stays on schedule, but I, I still think that's you know pretty good. It gives you just enough for for two months. Oh yeah. Well, Rob is still trying to deal with the cat, so I'm, he was gonna he was gonna cover Nubia in the Amazon's number one for us. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, skip past that one and do my next one, and Rob will come back and catch us up on his. My next review is Batman Secret Files, Peacekeeper number one. It was written by Ed Brisson. Did you get? Before I go into it, did you get a chance to read this one, Brandon? I did get a chance to read this one. Okay, all right. So we'll see if you have anything to say about what I've got to say then. Mm. This was written by Ed Brazon with art from Joshua Hickson and Roman Stevens with letters from Travis Lanham and no cover credit. And there's at least one other book that doesn't have it this week too. So, I mean, what gives DC... Yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, it's, 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 I, it's signed on the front, but I can't read it. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, cause I was wondering that too, because I thought the artist of the cover looked familiar, um, but it's not. It, I thought it was Stephanie Hans who does, uh, die with Kieran Gillen, or did die with Kieran Gillen, but it's not. Apparently, it is a cover artist by the name of Rafael Sarmento, and that I am getting from League of Comic Geeks, so, um, again, I, I, I never heard of this guy, but I thought it was a pretty good looking cover. So yeah, it was Hey, Rob's back. Rob, I went ahead and skipped your two books and went ahead and did mine. You can cover them back up in just a second, but back to secret files. So, um, this is radically different than any other opinion I've had of a secret files book so far. This issue contains, this issue is nothing but things that we've seen before recreated with a different art style, peppered with flashbacks that we had no reason at all to see. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much the same as The Last Secret Files. It was, I liked The Last Secret Files even, I even liked that better. I liked the clown one, the clown hunter one better than this. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I I did not like this at all. For me, it was a waste of time. For me, it was a waste of money. It had it had a cool ass cover, but I think that that was the only thing that they got right, and they didn't even give credit for it in the book. So, <laughs> um, uh, I gave this book a four out of ten. I was highly highly wow. disappointed. Yeah, I, I I didn't think it was that bad, but um, I, I didn't I didn't think it. Yeah, I I did I didn't think it was great. I thought there were moments that were interesting, and then a lot of it just kind of fell flat. Because when you really break it down, it's like not a lot happened. It was basically uh, what we just saw. Literally, literally forgot his name, so that's how you know he's a memorable character. Uh, Sean Mahoney just kind of running around like he's hopped up on you know bath salts, which he basically is, and stumbles into a bar. Shoots his dad, or not shoots his dad, but beats up his dad and then leaves. That's kind of it. And then in between that, you have backstory, which is was, in my opinion, not that compelling. I think it was an interesting idea of kind of having like this, you know, generational cop family, but it just it was not told in a compelling way. Where I was like, oh wow, I really care about this generation. It was more like, yeah, okay, they exist, cool. We we didn't need a prestige issue given a shit that we saw in just the last issue of Batman where he's out running around all crazy fighting against Scarecrow. I mean, all it was, I mean, it based, the whole, yeah, he comes from a cop family. Yes, he was abused. I mean, that shit, that's almost evident on, 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 on the surface of the character that he ain't right because of something that happened to him. And as far as being from a cop family, a generational cop family, that could have been taken care of in two panels. Yeah, I think, again, it could have been told in a more interesting and compelling way, but I didn't feel like that. Um, and uh, to be honest, what I thought was best about this issue was really just the, the art from Joshua Hinson, which I, I felt carried pretty much most of it. it the- the art on the inside was okay. Um, now, and I'm usually a Joshua Hickson fan, but I just I feel like this wasn't his best work either. Yeah, yeah, totally understand. Where is Ed Brisson from? Because I know that name, but I can't think of anything that he's done. He did. Uh, he's actually done a lot. Um, That's what I I know. He sounds familiar. So yeah, like he he did probably most famously um, Ghost Rider at Marvel and Iron Fist over at Marvel and I bet um, you that's where I know him from was Iron Fist yeah it, might, it probably was Iron Fist because um, that one was kind of a bigger hit and then you know like a lot of these creators has about a thousand creator owned books that was he was working on prior to you know getting stuff over at Marvel and now DC um, and one of them that I read, which is a, a like more of an anthology called Murder Book, is actually pretty good. So I was kind of Murder hoping, Book? yeah, it's called Murder Book. It's from Dark Horse, and it's a okay a collection. Right. Then that's where I know him from. Yeah, yeah, and it's like um, basically a collection of crime fiction stories. It's actually pretty cool, which is why I was hoping this story would be good because I was like, oh, this is right in your wheelhouse. But uh, it really wasn't. Um, and I promise I'm not picking on Ed Brisson because he's from Halifax. Uh, Nova <laughs> um, I love people from Canada. They're they're great, but um, this this issue was just kind of lackluster. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Right, the <laughs> only thing I can say about it is we don't need origin stories for every single character. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. 
and and I got really excited at the beginning of this issue because I thought they were going to shy away from that and it's going to be an actual story we haven't seen yet. But then it just devolved into an origin. Yeah, I think like honestly, Rob, you're like right on the money with that. Like I I feel like it would have been a more compelling story if you put Peacekeeper in a scenario where he's really you know pushed to do something bad or or maybe really trying to redeem himself or something instead of just you know basically taking up half the issue backstory or, that's just not really important or or go going like go hella deep into his uh torture via scarecrow yeah yeah like hallucinations you know, something that would have added to the story instead of feeling like i just what did i spend on that 10 bucks um rather than just wasting money for something i did yeah know. well i mean the the biggest problem is just like why did this need to be oversized right this is this is the Didn't. yeah this is like the the 30 page you know um books that they've been doing prestige lately. format yeah well it, well it, it wasn't prestige format and i'm glad they didn't well. do that but it was yeah it was basically it's like the the oversized issue that they do sometimes when you really need a special and it's like this really didn't need that though you could have told the story in 15 pages less than that maybe yeah preferably less yeah <laughs> i mean you could have left it to the books that you already told it in yeah. but i digress yeah. <laughs> all right we have been spinning our wheels here we've got two more to do in the lightning round and the first one up is newbie in the amazons and then he's gonna finish us off with shazam yes, right sir so this newbie and the amazons is from stephanie williams and Bita ayala on story with aletha martinez on pencils mark morales on inks Emilio Lopez on colors and Becca Carey on letters with a beautiful cover from Aletha Martinez and Laura Martin. Love this, me some Mark Morales, man. Oh, yeah. Now this uh, it was a very interesting story. Themyscira's got some frightful developments coming. Goes to you a, a nice little dive into the origins of Nubia and how that's tying into present day Amazonia with some brand new Amazons that are showing up. Uh, but honestly, with, with all the stuff that's going to be happening, and it looks like some deep mythological monsters are coming, I think Nubia and the brand new Amazons are sure to handle it well. I think this is an exciting new story with wonderful art. It's great to look at. 8.75. Oh, yeah, that's a great score. I didn't get a chance to read this one. Oh, no, Re you're going to love it. Yeah. You're did, if, Brandon, if you're the Wonder Woman fan, I think you are. You're going to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, I do love me some Wonder Woman. Yeah. Brandon, did you get a chance to read it? I did. It was uh, it was just kind of a really interesting um, look at what's going on at Themyscira right now, which is, I think, one of the kind of mysteries that was teased in the Infinite Frontier number zero one shot that they did. And I was like, yeah, I would love to see more of that. And I, I hope they get a chance to do like a, you know, if not a Queen Nubia series, something like that. And that. Now it's here, and now we kind of get some of those answers. And I'm I'm just very interested in the ride and where it's all leading to. I guess this is this whole mini series is serving as kind of a prelude to a a trial of the Amazons storyline or event. I'm not really sure, but um, I remember seeing something about that too. Trial of the Amazon. Yeah, I, I hope it. Uh, I hope it really uh, delivers. But as for now, I'm I'm right there with Rob. I think it's just a, a super interesting start um pretty compelling and and i hope they kind of get to do more of uh some character work on on nubia and some of the other amazons now this is a limited run right yes yes, yes. six issues six six, six issues, issues? Yeah. okay cool that's good that's good 
Now, what do you guys think? This trial of the Amazons, we've got... Oh, oh, wow. Um, Holy crap. What is her name? Yara. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Diana's mom. Oh, Hippolyta? Oh, Hippolyta. Hippolyta, Jesus. <laughs> so we've got Hippolyta serving as Wonder Woman right now. Yes. Uh, we have Nubia having taken uh, Hippolyta's place as queen. We have Diana back. We have Yara coming up. We have Cassie Sandsmark there. We've got Artemis. There, uh, the Bana McDowell. There are so many that are converging and coming together. Yeah. That I can't help but think that the trial of the Amazons is not relating to some sort of procedure or like literal trial, but I think we may be getting some sort of showdown for who the next Wonder Woman will be. Well, I hope I it's not that. Lost. Yeah, I hope it's not that. Uh, yeah, Diana just went through. Yeah, like heaven and we we her way back. Yeah, we we read all that craziness just to have her back as Wonder Woman. I hope it's not just another, you know, fight between a bunch of people to determine who becomes Wonder Woman. Um, but I, I could see a, a war between the Amazon tribes, though. That would be interesting. Yeah, I I think based on some of the teases we got in this first issue, it looks like. Whatever is going on in the um, in the well of souls and and that whole thing is likely going to you know open the door to some other stuff and and uh, and possibly send the entire Amazons you know Amazon tribes into warfare. But I guess I guess we'll just have to wait and see. See, I don't think that a whole trial of the Amazons in the way I suggested it would be necessarily be a bad idea just because they have a trial of the Amazons doesn't mean that they're going to send uh, Diana back up to God knows where next time, you know, I mean, she may have a new role to fill. And I, I personally would be okay with that. I, I don't have a problem with someone stepping in for Superman. I don't have a problem with somebody stepping in for Batman, so I certainly couldn't have a problem with someone doing it with the last member of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh I just hope it doesn't devolve into some, you know, big pointless emotional fight between all of the um Wonder Women and and Wonder Girls and all that stuff cuz like we don't need that. You know, this is No, it doesn't need to Let's if, let's not if, do that. If if that's what it is, then it shouldn't turn into like an emotional trial. It should be them doing their skills, and it needs to be written right. So I love you, man, but Steve Orlando, stay the fuck away. Uh, no, he's over at Marvel now. He's uh he's doing his thing. Oh, uh, I've, have you guys read any of his Commander in Crisis? I I I'm like always on the edge with that one, where I'm just like. Maybe I'm. It is literally like I'm standing on a ledge, and on one end I'm not going to read it, and on the other end I'm going to, and I'm always dancing on it. I'm just like, uh, maybe uh, you need you need maybe. to dig into the bin. I've got every advanced copy that he has sent us, and I really enjoy it, man. Yeah, it's it's different from what I would expected out of Orlando until you read it, and then you're like, this is definitely. This is definitely him, I, but I know for them, excuse me. Yeah, I know he is a big Grant Morrison fan, and it shows oh, yeah. in a lot of his work. And oh, yeah. Certainly that book, I think, was like the elevator pitch. I remember seeing that on the Image website. It was just like, imagine the biggest, craziest mindfuck superhero story you can have. And I was like, that sounds great. 
but do I want to invest in it for 12 issues? I don't know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like... Hey, there's only one way to find out, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, no, he's doing his thing over at Marvel, and, uh, um, yeah, we, we do get sent those uh, the Steve Orlando books, and I know he was doing Commanders in Crisis and um, Project Patron over at Aftershock, and I have read none of those, and it's like, at, so, at some at some point I will, I promise. I doubt he listens to this podcast, but if you do, I'm sorry. I will get to it eventually. <laughs> uh, he used to. I don't know if he still does. <laughs> Jesus. He probably stopped listening when I joined. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, uh, no. I don't know about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't want to listen I used to, to get... I, I used to give his Wonder Woman a lot of shit. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I followed him. And then I followed it onto Twitter after that. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I... Uh... But, uh, <laughs> he's a good sport. He's a really super cool guy. He's a super sweet guy. Oh, definitely. And, you know, definitely. I mean... And, uh, yeah, much love for him. I just... I, I didn't like what he did with Wonder Woman. But yeah. anyway, I like Commanders in Crisis, and I've only read one issue of Project Patron, but... um. I am looking forward to the rest of it. Anyway, we've got one more issue of Lightning Reviews, and I guess we call them Lightning Reviews, but then we spend 20 minutes in between each bullshitting. Because <laughs> we just love so, to talk. Because I, I love to talk it. too much. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm guilty of that. Yeah, too, we, we, I think we all, just, the... we all just have too much fun talking to each other, so we can't do a yeah. Lightning Round like authentically. A, a, no. I think you might be onto something. Yeah. But speaking of Lightning, our Lightning Round is going to be grounded with Shazam number four. Oh, very nice. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is from writer Tim Sheridan with art by Clayton Henry, colors from Marcelo Maiolo, and letters from Rob Lee, and a lovely cover from Henry and Maiolo. So this was, I think, very well written, very good humor, and well connected to the overall story in Infinite Frontier. And it's an end to this chapter, but as you can see at the end, there is a promise of big things to come with Shazam and the Titans going forward in TTA. And I'm honestly just hoping for more Teddy in the Cafe of Eternity. That was awesome. But I think, honestly, the, the humor was so good in this book, especially this last issue. I, I, I don't think there was this much humor in the previous three issues. No, and like I feel like... every two pages, there was something funny happening. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's kind of been missing out of the Shazam books as of late. Even in uh, Jeff John's run, um, as sporadic as that was, I, I there was a, a hint of it there. You got that classic Shazam feel to it, but he, the, the humor was missing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad to have it back now. Even that very first page, it goes, holy moly, ah, screw it, holy fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was 8.25 for me, honestly. I'm excited to see where they go with this. Teddy Adam is great. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun ride, I think. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I guess it's time for the regular reviews, so why doesn't Rob crawl out of the underworld hell and go into metropolitan hell? No. Well, it's still hell in a yeah, still hell in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Metropolitan sure. so, so, hell. Yeah, there you seeing go. hell for sure. Yeah. yeah. But if this hasn't been much of a clue, we're reviewing Batman. 
<laughs> this is from writer James Tiny the Fourth, with art by Jorge Jimenez and Bengal, colors from Tomomori and letters from Clayton Cowles. And Simon Saint, speaking of hell, is flipping his shit. Clearly, this job is a bit too much for him, and his aides have detected some seismic activity that they have found is linked to an underground network of plants. With this news, Simon has a new target for his forces. And speaking of Eden, Ivy is healing the young girl that's a member of the Unsanity Collective, and for the life of me, I could not remember her name, while Master Wise opens up to her about his past as a member of the Mad Hatter's gang, where he developed his own technology for the Mind Machine, I believe it was called, during that run. The thing that they used to deprogram the uh, sanity out of you. Mm. And this was all in an attempt to convince Queen Ivy to do a little bit more with her power to help. But she's still on the fence about that. Up above, Batman and Miracle Molly head to the old base of the Unsanity Collective. Christ, Josie, you sleep 24 hours a day. Oh, man. I'll do that sentence again. Oh, for fuck. No, you won't. Kitty needs attention now. (laughs) Do you need to go grab your kitty? One second. (laughs) Alright. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. Push your keyboard back, man. I don't know. It just kind of makes you look like an evil supervillain with your headphones and your cat. Yeah, exactly. One million dollars. Next time, gadget. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. So, Doctor Claw. You definitely, Doctor Claw. If I had more space, I'd turn my chair around right now. Oh my God. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) All right. Now, where was I? In Gotham. Up above, yes. Batman and Miracle Molly head to the base of the old Unsanity Collective to get the Mind Machine, while Molly believes Scarecrow wants to use the Mind Machine to push more fear into the city. They arrive and find Breaker, one of Molly's old friends from the Collective, but he's been taken over by Scarecrow using his own mind control tech. Together they take him down, but this confirms Molly's fears. Scarecrow already has the Mind Machine. And as we see in the sewers, Scarecrow has taken Sean Mahoney to a secret lab with a mind machine active in order to completely control Sean. Meanwhile, in Eden, Ivy nulls over letting insiders in when she feels a presence inside as the magistrate has come knocking. That's something I don't think I noticed in previous issues, but I definitely did this time. Scarecrow, every time he's on a panel, has a slightly blurry art style to him, and that's amazing. Yeah, he's drawn like that. It seems um, during the the times m- m- the, the, where I've noticed it anyway is is where the scarecrow and there's some kind of, his toxin is at play and people are seeing him. It's always like blurry. You even saw that in the peacekeeper one. Mm. It, it seems to be like bouncing around all over the place. I'm having trouble remembering here specifically when you saw scarecrow in this one. Was there fear toxin in play? I. Not necessarily, but it, it was all from the perspective of Sean Mahoney, who's got fear toxin running through oh, veins right. right now, so I yeah, imagine so, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. But it's, right. it's just brilliant to see if that's 
Jorge Jimenez, or if that's Bengal, who I, I think this is the first time I've seen him in the credits. I don't know exactly what he was done, but he was credited with the art as well. I'll be honest, I don't even know if it's a he. That's the first I've heard the name Bengal. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's Tiger. It's, it's Tiger, yes. Uh, yeah, so would, would, depending on who it was, like honestly, I loved it. I thought it was really, really well done. And on the other hand, I, I'm starting to second guess Master Wise. Right? Yeah, I think there's something a little bit more he's wise to. Uh, let's see. What'd you give it? Right. Uh, it's an eight point five for me. Sorry, I completely forgot about that part. <laughs> Brandon, what do you think? Uh, uh, it was fine. It was fine. Um, it was. It was very much a. Uh, I don't know. At least to me, it definitely just kind of felt like a, a, we need to move people to this point to get to this point to get to this point. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it, as an issue, it just didn't really, it just didn't really do a whole lot for me. And I, I was kind of, honestly, I was kind of bored. Um, yeah. I felt like it was just it was a way to show us that things are really heating up in Gotham. Yes, like until we got to the part with um, them actually going to Miracle Molly's uh, like sanctum or whatever and then they're trying to figure out where the mind machine was moved and they find out that it was moved and all that stuff like okay now we're actually getting some stuff but until then it just felt kind of like a yeah, it was just very much a nothing for me. Um, and it, it was not. It was like a six-second look at everything that's going on. Yes, and it and like I don't know. It I can I can I can generally forgive that kind of stuff if it's approached in an interesting way. But for me, it just felt very very bland, um, which sucks because I feel like so far this this story has been pretty good. Um, but it it was not a bad chapter honestly like it, it read competently it just it really didn't do a whole lot for me so i ended up giving it a 7.5 yeah i kind of felt like it was trying to pack a house in a suitcase man <laughs> all right 7 out of 10 on my end on that i guess we jump over to bad girls yeah let's do it yeah all right Written by Be- how are we doing the fucking regular books faster than the lightnings? Written by <laughs> Becky Cloonan with and Michael W. Conrad with Jorge Corona and Sarah Stern handling art and lettering by Becca Carey. Orphan and spoiler, the Batgirls are out trying to help Barbara and handle things in the city. I guess you know, kind of like the anti Oracle, and that's pretty much it. The art is pretty good, though, and at the end, it looks as though the person that has been acting as the anti-Oracle is actually a Talon wearing a Batman suit. Did you guys get that? I'm not sure where that's going. Where was that? Um, the 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 anti-Oracle in the at the end of the Batgirls, like when when we saw the face, it kind of looks like a Talon mask with a Batman suit. Did it really? I don't remember that. Yeah, huh. I mean, you only get you only get a look in one panel. Go take a look, because <laughs> yeah. I thought it was weird. I'm not sure where that's going. 
there wasn't a whole lot of story in this backup. I mean, obviously it was acting as a setup, but it is only a three-issue series, so it's going to have to move pretty damn quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, like, for as much as I found the main story to be kind of bland, I found this one to be incredibly fun. Um, like, I just, uh, it was really, like, fun dynamic art from Jorge, and just, like, I, I don't know, just, like, a really fun, lighthearted, engaging story about them taking down a, a, a evil, I don't know, AI or something. Like, it, it was just, for me, I was like, if this is what the Batgirl series is going to be, I will gladly read every issue it was just like i was I, I really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed um steph and Cass's kind of dynamic for the you know smaller moments that he got that and I, I love always seeing them you know work together so um all right M- maybe maybe i'm being a little too harsh on it i'm not changing my score but i feel like we just watched barbara fight her and and mm-hmm. ai and it, it it was Oracle, and I just it almost feels like a rehash of the same idea. And they've only got three issues to hammer this out. So the idea, I, I guess, the reason why I was so hung up on that panel um, was because that's the only thing that really sets it apart as being interesting to me. Because it is so already so similar to the shit that we just got out of the last Batgirl book. So I mean, I guess I guess I'm just being harsh on it because I I was hoping to have something. I mean, if you're gonna reboot something, you don't have to do the one that was just done. I gave I, I like Corona's art, Corona's art, and Stern's coloring are great, but I still wasn't a big fan of this one. Seven out of ten. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, to, I totally respect that, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think for me, it just because I I had not had the baggage of that Batgirl run, so I kind of didn't know about any of that, so... For... Oh, yeah, it was her, and then there was uh, her henchman. It was a green glowing oracle thing. Oh, God. Um... And, and and her henchmen were... Th- oh, I can't remember what the hell their names are, but they were the three animal dudes, uh, the pig and the vulture, and... Uh, I can't remember. Oh, from the but animated yeah, series? Yeah, horrible. Yes, oh, wow. from the animated series, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I... um. Yeah, no, I just, I, I found this one to be pretty, like, enjoyable and, and just fun to get into. So, I actually gave this one an 8.5. Ooh, somebody liked it. Rob, did you give yours yet? Uh, no, I just honestly love seeing Cass and Steph working together anytime they're on a page together or even a book together. Yeah. I'm going to eat that up because they're, oh, I'm with they're you there. such a fun duo. They really are. I, I gave this an 8 out of 10. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But I'm interested to see where it's going. And I do see what you're seeing with that, that last panel with the, the Batman with the talent eyes. I think that was just part of the deep fake. Because in the, the page previous, they, whoever it was, Anti-Oracle had a fake Jim Gordon on the screen. So it's it's not necessarily that's what they look like, I think. It's just what they were using to taunt Barbara. Yeah. Mm, okay whatever (laughs) i guess i just didn't even see it like that i was like oh wait whoa of course i saw something different so i was like that must be the true face (laughs) that would be cool though i got a little excited that would mean it's somebody that's nuts if they're dressing up like the talent in batman oh yeah yeah that's uh would not be a good idea 
Especially with everything that the court is doing now, trying to hunt down Bane. Or, no, not, not Bane. Like some weird Joker. version of... Yeah. That's not some weird version of Owlman now, is it? No. Isn't Owlman dead, too? Yeah, I don't know. I guess he could be back because I was like, "Oh yeah, it's comics. Someone could bring him back." Who fucking knows? Yeah. Right. <laughs> that that was another. I mean, I don't know. There there are sometimes where you're just like, "How does that even?" And you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of rolling with it, we got somebody does acrobatics while we stick around in the Bat family. Brandon, you want to tell us about Nightwing? I would love to tell you about Nightwing. I would absolutely love to tell you about Nightwing because I love this book. All right. Before I even get into my review, I'm just going to tell you this book is so great. Even as a, even as a clear state tie in, like just reading this book this week was honestly the highlight of my entire Wednesday. It was just amazing. Um, but excuse me, I can drink some water. Sure. Quit um, eating cookies during recording. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth is dry. Um, this was brought to us by writer Tom Taylor. Excuse me. No. With art from Robbie Rodriguez, colors from Adriana <laughs> Lucas, and letters from Wes Abbott. So as we know, Oracle... Well, Dick believed that Oracle had put out a call to Bloodhaven... Uh, requesting that he come to Gotham immediately, only to discover that it was all a ruse and a trap and a setup uh, established by the Anti-Oracle. Wow, Anti-Oracle again? Yeah, it is. Um, yep. So, to get the best of them, Babs decided that the only way that she could do that is to dress up as Batgirl again and get out right into the middle of the action. And her first order of business is taking down the entire Oracle system in the Clock Tower, which she does alongside Dick Grayson, Smashing millions of dollars in computer property in a scene that made me want to peel off my skin because I can't imagine how much that cost. Um, Bruce is going See, to. I didn't even put a dollar sign on it. I was cringing just because I'm such a techno geek. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, no. I, I just, I feel. Just unplug the motherfucker. I know. I was just like, I, I feel bad for Bruce. He's going to have to pay for all that shit, but. Anyway. Not Bruce. Dick is going to have Oh, yeah, that's Dick right. That's right. I forgot he's... Bruce up. ain't got the money for that shit. I know. No now more. he's broke. Bruce is like, I'm going to have to make this car stretch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, um, after destroying those computers just senselessly, they decide that the best way to go is to just, you know, go out and, and head into the action. And, um... Particularly, they want to head to Oracle's second base, the Oracle 2 Nest, I think it's called, um, where they're going to meet Tim there and, um, you know, try and reboot the system and, and open up communications again. Um, and, I mean, honestly, that's pretty much the entire issue. Like, they make their way to the Oracle 2 Nest. They are um, ambushed by some scarecrow gas that is left there by the anti-Oracle, and um, they're able to reboot the system, but um, shortly after, the Seer uses the system to get ahead and blow up the old clock tower, and uh, that is just sure. as Steph and Babs arrive, and I'm sure everyone is clutching their pearls, wondering just what the hell is going to happen to Steph and Steph and Cass. Don't worry, they'll be fine. They have a series coming out, so they're not dead yet, but... Um, the reason that my summary is short is because 
I just had to gush about how fucking fun it is to read this book. It literally, like, from start to finish, I was just, I was so hooked. And sometimes you worry about, oh, how much is this going to derail from the main story? How is this going to tie in with anything? But what I think Tom Taylor and Robbie Rodriguez did that was so clever was they actually used the required mandated tie-in to the Fear State event to basically craft a story about how much Dick Grayson cares about Barbara Gordon. And I was like, now yep. that is fucking smart. That is yep. incredibly smart. Because it's literally just like, okay, I have to tie into this thing, but how do I make it work overall with the character progression I have for Nightwing right now? And this is the perfect way to do it. It's like, yes, I had to, Smooches. I had to drop everything I was doing in Bloodhaven to come but I did it because I cared about you, Barbara, because you're important in my life. And it's like, you were able to kind of turn the, sh the story pivot on its head and still make it work for you. And that was, that was amazing. Um, I'll be there for you. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, uh, <laughs> they smooch, the, Dick and Bab smooch. Exactly. And the, the art by Robbie Rodriguez, I think, especially in this issue, is just absolutely amazing. I was just, there's so many panels that I was blown away, but, there's like a brief two-page almost flashback scene where it's, you know, her dressed as a Batgirl, a classic Batgirl costume, and Dick Grayson is Robin. They're sneaking out for the night, and I was just like, this is just great. Like, I just love reading this. It's just so much fun, and Tom Taylor and, and everyone just really get these characters and what makes them enjoyable and fun to read. And, um, I loved it. So I'm going to, to shock everyone here by giving this issue a 10 out of 10. Like, that was my initial... Yeah, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I, that was... As soon as I came away from this issue, I was like, this issue is great. This is... Your per this is... And I think I said this about an earlier issue in Nightwing, but I especially say it here. It's like, this is the type of issue that you can give someone and say, read this, and you're going to be reading the rest of the series. Like, I promise you that. Like, you just... You walk away from it, and you're like, yeah, I'll keep reading for as long as you're here. And and that yeah, that is and, my promise yeah. to him. That is saying something. You are right. I will give you that absolutely. If you hand somebody this, <laughs> issue, they will. You, you can say if you like this, go read this run. Yeah. And the kicker about that is that it barely, if at all, I don't even really think at all has anything to do with the run, and it's written just as well. Yeah, exactly. Which again is like. Just a, a sign of an incredibly talented creative team that you can take an entire pivot away from the story you've been telling and still make it work just as well. See, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to grace something with a 10 out of 10, but I did enjoy the hell out of this. This, this was a fantastic tie-in without having to delve too far into all the other bullshit we're seeing in all the other books. And pulling Nightwing and Babs together into something, and it was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, and by the way, I love Redondo, but Robbie Rodriguez really kills it in this issue. Right, man. like I think, I think especially in this issue, like he was good in the last one, but you know, you were still kind of adjusting to seeing the shift in in tone from uh, Redondo to Rodriguez. But I think this issue in particular, he really just popped off and was like, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to show everyone what I can do and how amazing I can be. And he is. He just did a great job. <laughs> I, I think so. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, 
Redondo is the main artist on this book. He's phenomenal, and I hope he stays around for a while. But if you ever need to do any, you know, three-part arts like this again, feel free to call Robbie Rodriguez. I would be more than happy to take some more art from him. Yeah, for me though, this it did feel a little awkward going into a Nightwing issue and the whole thing being from Barbara's perspective and Barbara's word bubbles. And I didn't hate that. Honestly, it was it was a wonderful read. It just for me for the first few pages it took a bit of getting used to, like getting in the idea that Dick is not the central character in this issue, despite the fact that it's a Nightwing book. But it, like you guys have said, it worked perfectly and honestly you made the perfect example there as to where he was going with this about how he can bring the story into this tie-in and still have it relate to his overall story arc uh yeah Yeah. that's brilliant and that just you saying that's actually probably going to bump my score up a little bit yeah it's just it's it's a really like smart and creative way to basically acknowledge the fact that yes i have to make it work with the wider line but I'm not going to let that stop me from telling the story I want to tell about Dick Grace. It's like, that is smart as hell. Here's, the, here, here's another kicker, though. Rob, you mentioned that Babs does the majority of the talking in this book. I didn't even notice it when I read oh, it. Oh, really? That's, that's how slick this book is. It's done so well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to describe it. It's slick. Like, it is just, it is superbly made. Yep, mm-hmm. sure is. And one thing I just want to point out that I don't think we've actually brought up in all of our talking about Nightwing, but no matter what artist that he's got on the book, he's showing off those those little four or three block panels of the different things the Screamistics can do. And I think that's brilliant. Just the little instruction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was what cool. They, yeah. Different functions they have. I think is really nice. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I was gonna give this an eight point seven five, but honestly, it's getting a nine now, for sure. It's it's a solid I issue. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Nightwing is hella solid, and Ellie Town is definitely on shaky ground. Oh, in more ways than one. Yep. You care to tell us about that, Rob? No. No, he doesn't care. <laughs> no. All right, we're gonna move on. <laughs> See you later, folks. All right, and actually. This is from a man we also talk quite a lot about in a good way. Rom V on writing duties with art by Nina Vacueva and Laura Braga, with colors by Jordi Belair and letters from Tom Napolitano. Alleytown, as we mentioned, is under siege by the magistrate, all to find Catwoman and Poison Ivy. Selena, at the same time, is trying to figure out her next move while she's with Shoes on a rooftop, and she asks Shoes to stay guard and stay and guard Oracle's network while she goes to pull together a team for a caper. Selena's team, meanwhile, is currently busy fighting off magistrate forces when they are met by Harley and the gardener who are going who are there to find Ivy. Selena arrives to bend them together and she has a plan. They're going to get Ivy out of Alleytown using so much misdirection Penn and Teller would be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> While the villains continue holding back the magistrate, Riddler coordinates dozens of trucks to leave the base at the same time, one of which might have Ivy. I say might because I was, as I was writing this, I realized 
Ivy might not actually be in any of those trucks, and there's even more misdirection. Potentially. Yeah. Finally, the White Witch has been activated, and Selena will deal with her with the help of the other Gotham City Sirens. And I know I use that term loosely because Ivy is not actually there, but I think the Gardener is a very good replacement. Together, they take the witch down, but then two more witches are activated. Damn. I, we're getting so close to the two Ivies meeting, I can't wait. I, I don't know about you guys, but it's it's been one of the B stories throughout this entire uh, Bat Family saga that I'm probably the most excited about. I, I'm a, a huge fan of Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn as a duo, and Poison Ivy is honestly one of my favorite Batman villains, and I, I just can't wait to see what happens with these two. <laughs> yeah, I hope I really hope they converge soon. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, same thing. Like, I'm a, I love Poison Ivy. I love Poison Ivy with Harley. And uh, I hope that is what happens. I hope that they do converge and it's not something else that's crazy and one of them dies off or sacrifices themselves so the other one can live or something along those lines and we get a different character. I want, I want old Ivy back. This has been cool. It's been a really neat story, but yeah, I hope it ends back up with the, Pudding I'm used to. Uh, there, there was a story. I think it was last year. A short Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy miniseries, like five, six issues, and the storyline was very much like that. That Floronic Man was involved, and they were. You're talking about Sam Humphrey's run, and we don't discuss that oh. on this show. <laughs> that 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 run ended with Harley breaking it off with Poison Ivy and starting up a relationship with fucking Booster Gold. I don't even remember that part. I'll like I, yeah, I didn't read this. So. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I don't remember they, Booster Gold. I gotta check that last issue. Oh, shit. He, he didn't show up until the very end. Oh, and it was oh. like, oh, you guys are dating now. And if you haven't noticed, no one has touched that. <laughs> and there's that's, good reason. That's very fair. That's I don't remember that ending, but... Nope. I, 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 I believe you, <laughs> to, to be honest, but shit, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. It's the worst thing Sam Humphreys has ever done, and that's including DC Daily. <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan either. He, uh, yeah. he closed out the, well, that's another, that's a, that's a story for another time, but anyway. <laughs> uh, Some bad decisions yes, going on with yeah. it. Fair enough. But... I still bring up the the two Ivies thing. We've seen it before, and if it's anything like that, I don't know how. I, like, I trust Romvi's storytelling, and I'm just hope it's not something we've already seen. Is all I'm, I'm getting at. I want it to be very interesting and fresh, and I think Romvi will definitely deliver that. Yeah, I hope so. Besides, yeah, that, with him being pulled off of the book, though, I really hope that whoever picks it back up can keep up that yeah whatever it is that Ron V has man do we have a solicitation for next writer yeah we uh, we mentioned in the last podcast it's uh, Teeny Howard who was working right. on Excalibur and um uh what's the book Strike Force but that was like 10 issues I think it got cancelled uh, um, yeah I'm 
beyond that, I, I was just very excited to see the Gotham City Sirens back together again, even though it's, it's not, like I said, the original version, but it's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a sucker for Paul Dini, though. That's, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed that, that trio. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Dini has a run on Detective Comics that I think they put in an omnibus, and it's really good, actually. Like, I, I just kind of read it online, like, as a whim. I was like, yeah, why not, right? And it's like, it's, it's pretty good, actually. Like, a, a surprising amount, I think. Uh, more than I, than I expected. Hey, sidestep over to the other side real quick. Uh, did you guys know that Marvel put out a Moon Knight omnibus? Uh, I think they've done. Like, yeah, what for? What is it like for a specific it's, run, it's, or is it the? It's no, it's like the. I mean, it's like this thick, dude. It's like four inches thick. I think it's everything. Mm. Oh yeah, I know my dad has. It's like of ninety dollars. Classics of just it's it's huge. It's thick, and it's all the classic issues of Moon Knight. Yeah, I love Moon Knight, man. Coolest Marvel character. Anyway, um, I went at the moon. Okay, Catwoman. Yeah. The interior art is damn good. I have always been interested in the Catwoman book since since the inception of this run, and now I, it's like a little bit worse than interested. I'm like hardcore needing to know what is happening next, like right now. Uh. I gave this book an 8 out of 10. Now, I said all the positive stuff first because I have more words to say the bad stuff, but it's not that bad. Uh, I'm not a fan of the font. Uh, the, 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 the font that was used, especially for the magistrate co- uh, communication, it was hard for me to make out what some of the letters were. And the very first panel, um, it says unit A at staging point, or maybe it says unit R. I can't tell. I have no idea because of the font. Not a big, huge thing. Just a minor annoyance. Another thing that I, I on the cover, Harley looks like a pissed off Karen. It's, I mean, it's, it's not horrible, but like the whole cover is kind of, wow, that could have been better. Especially for Paquette and Fairbairn, because they are a really good team, you know, especially together. I just, I, that cover was off. But those are minor annoyances. Those are nitpicky deals. This was a fantastic book. Eight out of ten. Nice. All right, well, that was down on the ground in Alley Town. You want to take us up, up and away, Brandon? Uh, I would love to take you up, up and away in what was probably my second favorite issue of the week, also written by Tom Taylor. What a surprise. Um, just like a, a great week for him, I guess. Um, but that is none other than Superman, son of Kal-El. And again, you'll have to forgive me for a minute because I did not write down the entire creative team. So now I have to look it up. Um, but this issue was brought to us by Tom Taylor, of course, with art from Danielle DiNicuolo, who, as I mentioned in our, our Slack chat, is his artist on, um, or is, is the artist and co-creator on, uh, another book that Tom Taylor does called Seven Secrets. And, um, this whole art style just made me feel like, oh my God, I really need to finish Seven Secrets. Like, I finished that first trade. It's time for me to finish the rest of the series so far. So 
yes, I get the sign universe. I will get to it eventually. Um, uh, but <laughs> this features colors from Gabe Altabe and Hi-Fi and letters from Dave Sharp. The Kent house has been demolished, exploded, but in the brief seconds before its explosion, John Kent miraculously is able to save the entire Kent before Fault Line crashes through the ceiling and destroys everything. He makes the, yeah, he makes the quick, quick grab of Ma and Pa Kent and reaches for Jay only to reveal that Jay is a metahuman. What a surprise. What, what a twist. Did not see that one coming. Um, twist. I know. What a twist. But thankfully he's able to get Ma and Pa Kent to safety before going back to check on Fault Line and Jay. But unfortunately, he didn't do it quite fast enough because the Justice League, who had been assigned to protect the Kent house after Superman went public with his identity, are very fast and very swift with their actions in trying to make sure Fault Line pays for her action. Hippolyta and Flash show up swinging, ready for action, and John is basically saying, like, wait, you know, we just took her to Star Labs. Clearly something is not kosher if she's back destroying stuff again. And, uh, she you know, is basically uh, catching up the Justice League and telling them that someone had come and taken her from Star Labs. She had no idea what was going on, but before she knew, she was being chucked out of a plane and thrown towards the Kent house, and that's when the Justice League promised to take her back to Star Labs, where she will be safe. Uh, and there is a absolutely phenomenal just heart-to-heart -heart moment with John Kent and Wally West that made me realize, oh my god, yeah, I guess they haven't met before have they um which was just really great because it's it almost promises this friendship that they can have about the responsibility of stepping into someone else's shoes and how that can be kind of you know how that can really lead to to an immense amount of pressure on your shoulders uh, but thankfully kents are all safe and uh john is able to make sure that everything is good for now and they even have everything is they even have everything in storage, which is uh, probably the best way to live your life if your son is Superman and you know that attacks are going to be imminent. But uh, right. to, to quote Jay, the elephant is not out of the room just yet, or at least what used to be a room. They need to address the fact that, yes, he is a metahuman, and what's up with that, basically? Um, and that's when Jay decides that he needs to call in some friends and, and figure out what the heck is going on here before they can start answering more questions about his meta-humanity. And that is when Jay alerts some of his friends, friends that I think we may have seen before. May have. Or maybe we haven't seen before. I don't know. Do you guys not remember? We've seen before. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's uh, uh, Airy and Wink yeah. were <laughs> very, very notable from the other book that Tom Taylor did, uh, Suicide Squad. And it was just kind of a fun way to see them back again and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and doing their stuff. It's cool to see those characters being used because every single one of them that showed up in that book were good characters. Yeah, and, and you know, they had kind of teased that maybe they were going to do another book with them, but it seemed like it was materializing. But this was a, a good way, a good way to, to just kind of you know, have them pop up again and say, like, hey, we're still here, but 
Um, yeah, that's what needs to happen because honestly, they the um, the the Aerie, they they would make an amazing book. I one hundred percent that they could pull off at least a six issue run, getting into that character, man. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd totally be down for that, especially if it was by this uh, this art team. Um, I think oh, yeah. Daniel Dinequala does a great job, but it's a great moment there that, that I love. That's just like. It's it's nice that I where Arian Winker just like you know it's it's nice to be able to talk to someone else while carrying you know my my significant <laughs> yeah. other and not feeling weird about it. Um, but yeah, that's when you know they're maybe that's when they are basically able to um, sort of make the uh, make more connections between some of the uh, metahuman projects that have been developing um, in. Gamora and, and trying to really clarify the connection there, even though it's not entirely solid yet. So, what does John do to get some more clarity on the situation? He takes it to the best reporter he knows, and that is, of course, his mother, Lois Lane, who kind of gives him a, a bit of a harsh reality of the situation, which is, yes, you can, you know, maybe draw some lines between Gamora, but it's not definitive evidence, and even if you did have that, you know, we're talking about a president here. You really can't do anything about that, and that is when John Kent gives the most Superman line I've ever heard in my life, which is, do you honestly think I can stand by and let that happen? Uh, which oh, is yeah. that's, absolutely that's great. Um, but he ends up going to Gamora to have a little bit of a conversation with Henry Bendix, and that does not go so well. John leaves in a bit of a huff before hearing a strange sound, a strange call, a cry for help, and immediately flies back to Gamora to figure out what's going on, where he discovers... Uh, the flaming man, flaming boy from that first issue, who has seemingly been who has seemingly been reactivated, his power has been reactivated, and um, that's when John realizes that this whole thing reeks of a trap. Before he is bombarded with lasers, escapes to the sky, and discovers that his powers are way, way, way out of control. Uh, uh, this series, much like Nightwing, is great. It is just great to read, and I love it. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say, because I don't want to say the same thing I said with Nightwing again, because I'm just going to sound redundant. But it is, it is like a book that you should be reading. All the Superman books are so great right now, and this one included. And it is just, yeah, it, it is a great story, and I love it. So I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. The hell, man. Look, I didn't see any of this coming. Like you said, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great way for um, them to bring in Wink in the area. Uh, I'm, I, I like this overcharged John thing, but I feel like I know that we saw Clark go through something like this before. It, uh, we did. More than once. Yeah, I yeah. I think that it was an all-star Superman. Oh, more than once? Yeah, no. There was even a, a bit of that in, in uh, New Fifty Two action. Comics. Yeah, the um, it was like that whole run where he discovered he had like the solar flare type of thing. Oh, right. yeah, Jesus, that's right. That Superman doesn't count though. I know in in, in All Star, uh, he got a huge bonus with his powers. Plus, he became immune to kryptonite. So yeah, but this this. It, 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 this kind of seems like his powers have been dialed up to ten, and it's almost like overwhelming him. Yeah, so I'm I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. If it's just going to go away, or if something is going to happen with him that's going to 
as a power wise give him the confidence to really feel as though he deserves his father's shoes you know what i'm saying mm. yeah. um other than that uh i i thought it was really good to look at there were a couple of panels that i didn't like to the two in particular actually the one where flash was running um toward the uh toward uh the the, the house where the crater is and he kind of his head is turned at a weird angle and he kind of looks like a conehead from saturday night live <laughs> jesus <laughs> and then there's the other one where john is like flying to the ground toward toward the flash and I, there's something about his face that is just wrong i don't know kind of um, i don't know it's like one step below the dog with his face out the window and the lips are flapping <laughs> but i mean other than that i mean that's that's again that's just me being nitpicky man the rest of this book is really really solid and i did i gave this one a nine out of ten the story literally gets better with every single issue yeah i love it it's uh it is it is exactly what you would want superman to be exactly what i wanted superman to be for God, how long is the long yeah? How how long is the Bendis run? Like three years, two three years. Too fucking long. Yeah, it was it was a while. Too fucking long is an answer. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, ooh, I can't do this anymore. And and this is like ah, breath of fresh air. Like I mean, just looking at the Superman line, it is like. Massive. I mean, it it is it is exactly what I want it to be. Right, like Action Comics is great. This book is great. We've got some of the other miniseries coming up that are great. Superman and the Authority was great. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Supergirl because that's going to be controversial. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> some people think it's good. Anyway, most of the stuff is great. We'll say that. So I think the Superman line, like I said, is exactly how it should be. Just you know, flying on all colors. It's just, just each one is just great to read. So I'm I'm very satisfied. Yeah, that's that's not something, and I mean, that's not something anybody has been able to say in a really long time. No, and it's it's rare that every single title across the board is just again one yeah, title omitted, like one title omitted. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's impressive. We're lucky. It's yeah. a good time to be a comic reader. It's a good time to be a Superman fan and a comic reader. It is for sure. Now this. The opening, I think, was very cool. And now I can't even bloody remember what... Oh, yeah, so the <laughs> the, uh, the house. I, seeing John just go that fast, I think, was very cool. I think it was a very good sequence. Um, very interesting, interesting to see how strong his powers are. I, I get he He was in the future for God knows how long and off with his grandfather for years, but at a young age to be that fast... Uh, there's the constant debate about if Superman and Flash are faster and honestly I would have thought only the Flash could move that fast but it was still a very cool sequence to look at oh yeah I love the Aryan wink <laughs> uh, there's you mentioned I think it was Josh mentioned uh, so many great characters in that run and I would love to see others but these two are, are wonderful to see and I think it's clear to see of all those characters that Tom created which ones are his favorite because those two keep popping up in all his books <laughs> Right, <laughs> and it was just great to see Tom Taylor and Danielle Di Nicolo together in another book. 
not yeah because they were on suicide squad together weren't they uh, no, they were on Seven Secrets together. Seven Secrets. Yeah, it was it was him and Bruno. Yeah, who did PR for Suicide Squad? That was, I think that no, that was Bruno Redondo. Well, re- yeah, but every single issue, I could have sworn. Nicole. No, I think okay, I'm pretty I'm, sure. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure he did every single issue, and then um, I want to say Daniel Dunicola did like one of the DC's like digital first issues, um, and I think that one had Ari and Wink and some of the. Um, characters from that Suicide Squad in it, but I gotta double check that. So that that would have been, I think that was a good day to die. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it might have been that, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did every issue of that Suicide Squad run, and then of course uh, Tom Taylor and Daniel DiNicola do Seven Secrets over at Boom Studios. I know, like stop, stop haunting me. I will, I will read the. Final six issues, okay? I will get to it. My God. <laughs> now, why is it you'll cave on that but not watching Titans? It's... Well, that's because I already started the series. I mean, Titans, I I dropped out after one. Like, I was good. But this one, I feel like a, a commitment to see it all the way through. Fair enough. Yeah, to be fair. Fair. Like, somebody that binges both Seven Secrets is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like those first six issues were just so much fun to read, and like I don't know why I stopped. I just, I think I just kind of got busy with other stuff, and then I never went back to it. As long as you go back, that's what matters. I know. I will. I promise. As for score, there's something in my mind, and I, I can't, for the past couple of days, could not pinpoint why I don't think this book can get a nine for me. Uh oh. I don't know why. It's just there's something telling me don't do a nine, so I gave it an eight point nine because <laughs> it's the closest I can fucking. Uh. It's just that good. It it happens. Mm. We're all forced to make hard decisions sometimes, except yeah. for Brandon, who gets to do ties whenever he wants. Exactly, <laughs> I, I can do as I wish, and no one can stop me. Um. And I, I did. I just looked it up. So he didn't do all eleven issues. There were a couple like like fill-ins where they got another artist, and that was um, Daniel Sampier. Oh, yeah. Well, I knew the art was really good. So. Yeah, yeah. So it was Daniel Sampier, Bruno Redondo were both fucking excellent. Sweet. All right. Well, we uh, we were talking about Flash there a little bit. And him, him and his cone head. He doesn't have a cone head in the next issue, though. No, he does not. As far as we know. I, I didn't I get mean, the cone head vibe. But. <laughs> totally no cone heads. Yeah. Take me to your leader. All right. Written by Jeremy Adams with art by Fernando Passero, Matt Ryan, and Jeremy Cox. With letters by Steve Wands. And no credit for the cover. However, this one I can read. It says Brando 21. So... I'm assuming that's Brandon that Peterson. Be. Maybe. Probably Brandon uh, Peterson. I guess. Looks like Brandon uh, Peterson. If he goes by Brando, sure. Yeah. But anyway, picking up where we left off, Superman, Mr. Terrific, and the Flash are trying to figure out how to remove the glaive that fell from the sky at the end of the last issue. It seems as though Soups and Terrific start to develop some attitude problems. They're getting a little snarky with Wally. Then Wally goes home, and Linda is, and the people are at work, too. It 
turns out that yeah what a shitty day right I know. Like, what did i do but, but it turns out that the glaive seems to be turning everyone into dicks and it's attracting all of the bad guys to it i mean but in really? wally's in wally's case was it completely unjustified because if you leave your cabinets open you're basically like less than <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a cabinet closer myself i'm 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 uh just just clocking in under six foot so i have i have uh knocked my head up quite a bit with cabinets <laughs> left open from other people mm-hmm. uh, i i will every so often i'll leave a cabinet open and i'll get annoyed with myself if I don't. <laughs> yeah you know hey we're not judges here you know we don't, unless you're Bendis. Um, dum Anyway. <laughs> uh, so where did I leave off? People getting turned into dicks, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, weirdly enough. That's, that's, a, that's a different book altogether. So. <laughs> anyway, there's a whole bag of them. What the hell? Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> weirdly enough, though Superman couldn't move that glaive, the trickster could. So... Anyway, Wally figures out that he can that if he contains the glaive, the effects that it has on people should probably go away. And it does, once he does, for like five seconds. And then it explodes, and now its effects are felt across the whole city instead of just the immediate area. On top of that, something else comes rocketing to crash into the earth, and it's not a weapon this time. It's a dude called Starbreaker, an energy vampire. <laughs> He he fights with Flash and gets the upper hand long enough to pull the glaive from its hole in the road, and he is immediately sucked up into a black ball, or kind of anyway. Uh, Starbreaker is now Eclipso in Starbreaker's body, and after a brief villainous monologue, he takes off again, saying he will be back later. While Wally starts cleaning up the city from the fight, a green onk pops up out of nowhere and a hand pulls Flash through. And of course, it is the hand of Dr. Fate from the other side. And we are promised that the next issue of The Flash will be the craziest, most meta, wildest issue of The Flash ever published. Jeez. So, man, yeah, I don't know, man. There has been some crazy stories out of The Flash books. Yeah. It, <laughs> but um, as far as this one goes, though, I love how they explain that the glaive didn't affect Wally because he's got a sudden state of mind now. A man doesn't, uh, and uh, it man does it look good all the 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 whole damn time from cover to cover. It everything looks great. Yeah, there's some great for, art in there, except mm-hmm. for Starbreaker, because it doesn't matter who's drawing him; you can't make him look cool. No, he looks like a total dork. He's, he he he's looks a total like dork. He's a total douche. He looks like the theater version of Sinestro. Exactly. <laughs> like he 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 reminds me of say like a a, a a drama professor mixed with Liberace. Yes. And I'm an energy <laughs> vampire. <laughs> Fuck, I, I thought Starbreaker was cool, man. This dude's a vampire in space. He's an energy vampire. It might be cool if he didn't dork. dress like a dork. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, he's like a, he's a vampire in space. He doesn't he doesn't get to keep up with all the current vampire clothing. Okay, so here's here's the thing though. It's like when he comes to Earth, he calls himself Starbreaker, but when he goes back out into space, everyone there calls him Disco Dracula. <laughs> Starbreaker, man, Starbreaker. Who? Like, yeah. I'm going to Earth to reinvent myself. That's not how it works. Yeah. Dude. Also, can I just shout out my favorite line in this issue where Wally's trying to shake loose the Starbreaker sword and my man in the front is just like, can you believe that guy? He started an earthquake. What a jerk. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no respect. Yeah, the crowd, at where they, they had some pretty sharp words, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. It was it was funny though, man. Th- this one was solid all the way, and I think it earns an eight point five very easily all day long. This one also got an eight point five for me. This series is just just so much fun to read. I gave it a nine point two five. I I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, like I said, I enjoy Starbreaker, but you guys don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish he would have a better costume. You look like a clown. Yeah, and maybe not look like Sinestro's ugly brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think it's the exact same costume he's had since the seventies. He so like, he right. is he is the cousin of Sinestro that they don't talk about in the Thal family. And they just like right. yeah, ooh no. He's, he's the weird one. Co- cousin cousin Starbreaker is the one that we don't invite to the reunions. He's a little, right. he's a little too weird. He's always talking about that side of the I know. family again. He's always talking about like, oh, I need to get my energy because I'm an energy vampire. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> go away. You don't need to be here. Last time he was here, he fed off all of the bridesmaids and pissed in the punch bowl. I know. Just what a <laughs> what a jackass, honestly. I'm saying. Oh man. Yeah, no, it's sad. Uh, I, it's I can't wait for for next issue though, because it, it's not clear yet what it's about, and and they did promise one of the craziest issues that the Flash we ever had. But the solicitation on DC's website, at least in my opinion, alludes to a choose your own adventure book. Yay! I am yeah, more than excited. Oh man, I know getting getting to do a Flash choose your own adventure book sounds like a dream. That was just so much fun. Honestly, if you had to choose a superhero to do that with, could there be a better choice than to do it with the Flash? Oh no, yeah, I think Flash is perfect for it. For Flash, and, right? like, I mean, he already jumps all over Flash. Helen back, even though he shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think Rob, you're absolutely right. Like specifically, Wally, they would make it so much fun. Yeah. It might not absolutely. fit as well with Barry, but Wally's got the the good level of humor in the character yeah. that would fit. Well, yeah, I mean, Barry's... So is he is he going to, like, turn to the camera Barry's and just... Barry. If you, like, totally screw the pooch and just mess it up, he's going to, like, look towards the reader and be like, this is your fault. The reason I got my leg chopped off is because of you, asshole. Quick, don't go this way. Turn back to page 85. <laughs> <laughs> you just do it anyway. Fuck you, Wally. I'm yeah. going. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Find out what happens, man. Run now, Flash. Run now. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling Flash is worried we're going to kill him in his choose your own adventure book. But it is better than the alternative if you're going to die. Brandon, yeah. 
you want to take us into some team play suicide squad number eight am i am i doing that i have muse doing that you have muse doing that yeah well oh no uh uh uh-oh that's not good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't write up a summary for it, but I could spit something out pretty quick. I mean, just generally speaking, this one is seriously action-packed. It's hella story-driven. And, I'm well, honestly, I'm not even really sure how to get into it. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, uh, the art is flat-out delicious. Lines and colors both. Hand me a spoon. I can eat that shit up all day long. Mm-hmm. But what we've got going on in this one is pretty much all three of those storylines just finally coming together. It almost feels like they're turning into just that one storyline now. And the cool thing about it is that it doesn't feel convoluted. Peace Swamp Thing, um, we saw for the second time, Swamp Thing has taken out the uh, the uh, bomb in Peacekeeper's neck and given him a choice as to how to go about getting the peace that he's wanting. He gives him a little pep talk kind of sidestep thing and, and has peacekeeper kind of doubting things. Uh, Waller wants swamp thing. Swamp thing's not ready to go. Peacekeeper got set free. That's pretty much the book, but it is super good. A lot of fun. Yeah. And let me tell you, in order to be able to weave all three of these books into such a weird story like this and not have it come across as convoluted, I mean, that's that's amazing storytelling. And I got to give it to that's that's a lot. That's really, really good editorial oversight. Taking, yeah, I just taking I love, all three of these books and and merging them into one story. It's not I, crossovers. It's no, but it's one it continuous is, story. It is yeah, it is all very well connected to the point where it's not like one book is outshining the other. It's like each one is building off the other one. And I'm like that yeah, that is it, that is that is great editorial oversight, like you said. Oh yeah, because it doesn't even feel like you're reading different books. Like no, every single. No, no matter which issue it is you're picking up, it feels it 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 is the same story. Absolutely, like Flash had the Heat Wave story that fed into Suicide Squad, or no, that fed into Swamp Thing, which then later fed into Suicide Squad, and each one of those were able to tell the stories they wanted to tell without feeling like they were you know bogged down or, or overshadowed by someone else. And that's great. That is great. One hundred percent. I gave this one an eight point two five out of ten. Yeah. And again, the art. Ooh, Jesus. Yeah. Eduardo Pensica is just mm, great. And Dexter really, Soy. Really good. Yeah. And Dexter. Yeah, Dexter Soy. This, I'm this, sorry I didn't shout out the credits there, but yeah, I wasn't ready for it. But yeah, no. This uh, damn th- good book. this this issue also had another favorite line of mine, which is from Ambush Bug, and he's just like, "Ugh, opening with a flashback. What is this, nineteen sixty five? Oh, I don't know what it was this week. Everyone was just like, I gotta, I gotta crack like fifteen jokes because there's so many lines from these books that I just absolutely love. But, uh, yeah, something about this week. They just, they really, they were, they were really dialing up the comedy. I guess. Well, I won't complain about that as long as it fits in the story. And oh hell no! I was, I was does. loving it. Yeah, hell no! I was loving it. 
Man, if you're gonna have ambush bug though, that you have to have comedy too. Yeah. And I think it fit the story well. I don't know how you guys feel about ambush bug, but I love ambush bug yes, as a character. I, I, I do think as well. He's, he's brilliant oh, yeah. and just fitting into this book so well. Yeah, I love when he just kind of pops up every now and then, does his thing. Yeah, makes bad jokes. That's all he needs. He doesn't need his own series. He doesn't need any one shots. Just pop up here and there and yeah. be silly and funny and enjoyable. Yes, absolutely. I I, I gave this one an eight out of ten. It was just really fun. This run's been really fun so far. I gave this one a nine. I'm just loving this book. It is awesome. I think I gave mine already. 8.25. It's a little thick in there. Don't get me wrong. But it, it is real fun. If you've swung through the whole story, you'll like this. Mm-hmm. I can't say I ever would have imagined a time where I would have read Peacekeeper, Peacemaker, whatever the fuck his name is. Peacemaker. Peacekeeper. Yeah, you're <laughs> confusing Ghostmaker and Peacekeeper. <laughs> there we go. New character, Peacekeeper. I, I, I never would have thought I would see Peacekeeper and Swamp Thing in a comic book, and let alone say that I would like it. But yeah, I definitely do. Alright. I talked a lot of things about Swamp Thing. <laughs> I'm in the green. We're in the gum and up next on the Green Lantern. Yes. Mm-hmm. Final title for this week, Green Lantern number seven. Rob give us our main story and Josh will give us a backstory, so or backup story. God, I can't talk today. Um, Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is you know, the entire book is actually because it, it's all the, the same creative team for both halves. Is from Jeffrey Thorpe, <coughs> with art by Tom Ramey and Marco Santucci, with finishes in pages twenty-four to thirty from Andy Owens, colors by Micah Tia, and letters by Rob Lee. So where we last left off, John is on the shuttle to go save Kilowog with other fellow Lanterns, and Lonar appears, and Lonar reveals to John that he is from New Genesis, and before John has much time to process that news, Lonar teleports him elsewhere, or should I say elsewhen, because what's before him is a great war between New Genesis and Apocalypse and Forces, but seemingly before Highfather and Darkseid took over, where they are known as Uxus, and Isaiah. Also present are ancient versions of the Guardians when they were still known as Maltusians. Lonar assures John this is where and when he's needed to be, as Lonar is the god of journeys, so he knows exactly where John is going, and in addition, as long as he is with Lonar, nobody can see or hear them. During the battle, a younger Ganthet speaks up and claims to end this battle. The Maltusians studies are complete and they have found great magic and chaos there so it must be destroyed using their great power they subdue every new god on the field save a couple and while isaiah tries to reason with ganthet oxus wears a brand new weapon from the sod and starts blasting and those blasts look oddly similar to his are they mega beams i don't remember what they're called omega beams omega beams that's it John now decides to intervene, running away from Lonar, and punches Uxus right in his smug little face, but he retaliates by blasting John point-blank. Instead of dying, however, John becomes a being composed of pure green energy, looking not unlike a new god himself. Lonar then teleports him back to the present, saying that this is his next step of his evolution. This, This was interesting. I don't know, I... 
I've written my notes for the whole story, so I don't want to give away too much because I do a lot of comparisons. Uh, the the thing I will say is this is a very interesting development for John that I think is very different from what we see in Future State, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm, I actually, for the first time since they split the story, I'm enjoying John's version. This was definitely better than some of the ones that we had in the past. Um, a lot of backstory, but you know, some somewhat interesting at least. Somewhat. Just, it felt like a weird trip through time. Yeah, it just um I don't know. I I think this is one of those times where I almost wish there wasn't a backup because the whole setup of John, I guess, is having these new powers is I feel like that's something that should have been explored more throughout the rest of this issue, but because we're telling two narratives at the same time, they didn't have enough space to do that. Um, which was kind of unfortunate and dragged down my score a little bit. Yeah, can't blame you there. Um, I wish I liked this art. It probably would make it more interesting to me. I just have a really hard time getting past this style of art in a comic book anyway. I am looking forward to seeing what these next-level lantern powers are that John's going to get. Although I hope... be curious about where it's going to go, but do you guys have any theories about, like, what's going to be happening on that tip? I have no idea, but I hope they don't start calling him the Lightbringer, because I know that was kind of Kyle's thing, and to be honest, that's, like, the only thing I used to remember Kyle, is being the Lightbringer, so if they start having two Lightbringers... It's probably going to make me. My soul. I know. It's going to make me forget Kyle even more. There, there already were two Lightbringers, technically. Who was the other Lightbringer? With, um, the hell was his name? Zoriel. Uh... No, the, uh. No, for uh... real. Zoriel. He, he, he was the Lightbringer for a while back. I want to say in the late 90s. Oh, was he an angel, yeah. though? Yeah. But he definitely brought the light. Yeah. No, oh, what the hell? I'm just saying the name's been used. Oh my god, I can't remember. The planet with Daxamite. The, the guy from. Oh, Daxamite. oh, um. Sodom Yat? Sodom Yat. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he was he a Lightbringer? He held the power of Ion for a while. Oh, yeah. So, if but, I remember right, he was called a Lightbringer. For did, a while. Yeah, did they call him the Lightbringer? I have no idea. I think so. Because I think the, the whole idea in, in the religion of Oa is that the Lightbringer so, is the keeper of Ion. Hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I could be very mistaken because that yeah. was like fucking 10, 15 years ago. Oh, no, I am I am dumb. I am bad. I'm thinking of, um, not Lightbringer, um, Torchbearer. That was Kyle's thing. He was the yeah, Torchbearer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, never mind. Though. Okay, good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, like, that was, I was like, no, it was like something more unique than that. And I was like, oh, right, right, right. Because his whole thing was like, I am the last lander. Okay, so that, that does alleviate my own fears that uh, this could be John with the power of Ion, which I really hope it's not, because I think we've moved past that, and why would he need to go millions of years into the past in order to get the power of Ion? Yeah, that would be a little weird. Yeah. Agreed. Um, is, I mean, I guess it's hard to cover all of them at one time. But I'm kind of tired of this book being broken up into backups sometimes and then not others. 
It makes it very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Especially like this backup story. I don't even think this one really even had a title. No, honestly, because I think the, the build of the book, it's all just one issue, but they're splitting the story into. Yeah. It's very, very confusing because they they have the, I don't know what you call it, like the, the to be continued halfway through the book and then there's a whole other, but that's not even in every issue. I think, I don't know, I think this issue they might have got the stories backwards. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it is It is a little weird. Um, cause yeah, I guess like this one does have the, this backup does have a title, but, um, it, yeah, it's just a very weird way to, to structure it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but, uh, all right. I guess speaking of the backup, I will go ahead and take care of that. No? Yes. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Jeffrey Thorne with art from Tom Rainey, Marco Santucci, and Mike Atea. Awesome team, by the way. With Rob Lee on letters, this is a bit longer than the backups in here that we have been getting. And I honestly can't complain about that. I feel like the issue is almost pretty much split right down the middle mm-hmm. as far as content goes. Uh, the story is about the United Planets not being happy about Kelly and about uh, pretty much about her being an unknown threat and potentially starting a new uh, starting a war with New Kurigar. So, I mean, they've got some valid, you know, points there. But it's it's about Joe Moline and Simon Baz trying to keep things cool from Kelly. Doctors are examining her because she's still knocked out from the last issue. Those same doctors try to take her gauntlets off and the gauntlets go into like some kind of anti-theft defense mode. The constructs that come out of it um, to use for security are a bunch of robins. I thought that was cool as hell. Uh, They're attacking the United Planets people while John tries to calm Kelly down by talking to her while she's out cold. It looks like it worked, but we don't know for sure. At least we won't until next issue. Uh, not bad. It was a little busy, but it was still really good. And man, again, what a solid team for the art. Yes, please. I gave that one an 8.25 out of 10. I'm thinking about it now. I wasn't a big fan of this half of the book with Joe and Simon, only because it it didn't do much to progress the story, whereas past issues, this was the progressor, and John's story was not. This one was just, like you said, it was just running security on Oa, that there wasn't much to it. Though, thinking now about how the issue ended with Simon and Kelly, Simon doesn't have a ring, he has no powers, but Kelly clearly trusts him. So I could see those two being like a Stargirl and Stripes kind of duo, which I am so down for. <laughs> Simon does whatever he can to protect Kelly while she's out there with all the power, and he's training her at the same time. I think that would be very cool. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, one thing I do want to point out that I thought was kind of funny, and I had to really think about what it was. There's one point where Simon gets thrown off balance, and Joe catches him, 
And he says, it's a stuffed animal. She says, it's an anime. And if you recognize it, I'm pretty fucking sure that's a drowsy from Pokemon. <laughs> nice. Really? Oh, yeah. That's crazy, dude. There's only so many things that look like a creepy tapir. <laughs> um, where was it? Yeah, so all in all, I, I gave it a 7.75. I didn't hate the issue, but I do hope for more from my favorite heroes in the world. Uh, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I'm kind of hoping they step it up at some point. Because the series has been kind of iffy for me, especially just in the way that he's been telling the story so far. And uh, I'm, just, I'm hoping that we can get to a point where it's really just knocking out of the park consistently, but I don't feel like we're there yet. Maybe this is one of those times where it would benefit to have a, a secondary Green Lantern title, like Green Lantern core title, but I guess that doesn't really make sense, given that the core is, like, gone, so... I don't know. We'll see. But I ended up giving this one a 7.5. I gave back up an 8, but I gave the issue overall a 7.5. I mean, like you guys are saying, the the book is maintaining its course. All right. Yeah. But that's, oh, its shit. course needs to come a lot faster. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remain skeptical about it. I don't hate it, but I do remain skeptical about it because I feel like this can only end one of two ways either completely phenomenal or a total tangled mess. Yeah. I just, I don't see an in-between here. Um, I do hope we get the, uh, I do hope we get it moving a little bit more. So I want to know if my interest, if my invested interest in this has been bad or not. I mean, is it just because three out of my four favorite lanterns are in it? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Kelly, Joe, and Jessica. Round that out with Kyle and Hale for honorable mentions. Well, but um, Kyle is probably dead at this point, so... Shut your <laughs> face. You don't know that. He was like... Torchbearer. He was like floating through space, like lifeless, and was like in a respirator, so I don't know. Unless we see a scene where he pulls through. I don't know. I don't know. I think that. the last time we saw him, he was on a uh, uh, an operation table on some alien planet. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. but he was still passed out, so yeah. he could be dead. <laughs> Kyle's yeah. coming back, you turds. <laughs> Stronger than ever. We'll see. As a matter of fact, John, John's got the power of Ion, oh, but back. he won't he want it, made. so he gives <laughs> yeah. it to Kyle again. Oh, yeah. Torchbringer. Yeah. Torchbearer. Torchbearer. Lightbearer. Same. Light Super Lantern. There you go. Super Lantern. Yeah. I mean, that was technically really seldom yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm. All right. Well, I guess that's that's it, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. All right. I, um, I guess uh, time for the top three. Our favorite time? or Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Josh, what were your top three for this week? Uh, my top three coming up backwards. My third one is Catwoman Lonely City. That one was really fun to read. It's a really good story. I can't wait to see where it's going because I'm super interested so far. Mm-hmm. Um, We've seen the like years down the road kind of stories from Tom King and Frank Miller and I'm not a fan of either one of those, but I feel like this could be good. 
Uh, number two was Son of Kal-El. That shit, man. Oh, it, it's everything you want a comic book to be. It's everything you want a Superman comic book to be. And number one, eking out just barely ahead of Superman is Nightwing. Because, wow. Now that is everything that you want a comic book to be. I'll say. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything I want out of superhero comics yep. I got out of Nightwing. Uh, yep. And then I I guess, you know what? I'm going to give my favorite. I had another one picked out, but I last minute change up. Calling an audible here. Yeah. My favorite moment is going to be when Tim said, Oh, finally. Damn it. <laughs> when Dick and Babs kissed. Shit, that was mine. Now I gotta pick a new one again. <laughs> Quit letting me go first. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, you can tie. You always do. This, this. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to sound redundant, though. That's fine. I, there were a lot of good ones this week, so it shouldn't be hard to find one. <laughs> Assuming Rob doesn't steal mine. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. Uh, mine, mine is a little unorthodox, and I've kind of already mentioned it. Uh, so my top three, starting at number three, I had Suicide Squad. Just such a fun book. Enough said. To quote the great one. Uh, number two, I had Catwoman. Just thrilling, exciting action. Can't wait to see how it ends, even though I don't want it to. And number one, I had The Flash. Awesome humor. I think really good art. Great costumes all around. 70s fans and yeah i I, i'm (laughs) loving this one my favorite moments honestly is is catwoman harley and the gardener fighting together it was just such a a throwback for longtime fans of those characters i think and uh yeah it was was cool to see of of all i i had a hard time picking though because like we said there's so many great moments but i kept thinking about that one yeah, no, my, my top three were at number three. I had Flash 775, just a great issue overall. A lot of fun to read. At two, Superman, Son of Kal-El. Um, and at number one, with a 10 out of 10, unprecedented for me at least, was Nightwing, number 85. I just, it was just such a phenomenal issue and just solidified why I love this run so far and, and why I just continue to, to invest in this run. It's just such, such great stuff so far but my favorite moment before it was stolen unceremoniously by josh uh Ta-da. i had to pick a new one but thankfully that wasn't hard because there were a lot of great moments in the uh, comics this week but um i had to give it to the double page spread from flash actually no i i, I i'm just looking at this one i'm going to change it a quick audible like right now uh that is the the splash page towards the beginning of Flash, where it's Superman trying to remove the glaive, and it was just so well, well done, and so well drawn, and yeah. the colors on this are just amazing. I mean, uh, just so vibrant and so rich, and I just I love how all of them look in that scene. It's just excellent, excellent job. Agreed. But while that was fun, we will now be moving on to a section that is not quite so fun and a little bit more stinky, a little bit more smelly, and that is... The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. So, gentlemen, might I ask what made Stinkless this week? I think I have an idea of what that might be, but let's, let's hear it. 
Uh, for me, honestly, Peacekeeper this week, mm. Secret Files. I, I just, yeah, it it stunk. Yeah. Not completely. It it eked out a little bit like it was going to be going out smooth, but then it, no, it came out poorly. Eh. I'm mad that I wasted money on a book like this. Yeah. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Uh, I feel like this is, this is, uh, Bendis writing a comic book with Riley Rosmo drawing and Tom King doing the editing and just bam, somebody peed all over my birthday. I don't know, that sounds pretty good to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, not the birthday cake. Brandon, but... I love you, but oh. you're broken. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not, not the birthday cake, at least. I, I could do without that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What about you, Brandon? Did you? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. I thought you were going to say something else. Um, yeah, no, mine, same as you guys. Peacekeeper. It was almost a two-way tie between Peacekeeper and Green Lantern, but I think Green Lantern um, was just a little bit better than than Peacekeeper, which was really just, I think, more disappointing for me because um, I yeah. know that that Ed Brisson can do some pretty pretty good crime fiction stuff, and I guess I was hoping for. A more satisfying read out of this, and we really just didn't get that at all. It was just a very like, why was this oversized? Why did I read this issue? Yep. Oh. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> and before we close out, we will. I mean, we can take a look at the dump list. I know we added one title this week, but I don't get the feeling that there's anything that we. Really want to move to the dump list unless you guys have any you want to nominate. Um, no, we we kept Batcat there, number eight, and there, yeah, there's a damn know. good reason why it's on the stink list. I want to nominate that again just for the. I didn't read it, but I've seen a panel on Twitter going around, and Jesus Christ, that design is weird. Uh, uh. It's it's in the story is stole. It's hard to keep track of. It was kind of crazy when we were reading it, so I uh, I don't really miss that one. But we added uh, Black Manta number two. I think just because that one was getting a little, a little too weird, a little too out there, and I, I actually did go back and reread the first issue of Black Manta because I wasn't zonked out on coding, um, which was, was better, I think. But even still, I I, I think we'd probably be better off you know maybe just reading that one separately. We don't really want to cover it. I mean, it's not super connected. I mean, I, I bumped it off of the reading list this time because, I mean, Jesus, we had so much. And there were so many number ones, which we always do. And, oh, jeez. But it is a good story. I like Black, I like the Black Manta book. And even if it doesn't make its way back onto the show, I do suggest that you read it. It's just a a time and connectedness issue. That's all. Right? Do we do we have nothing else to to add to the dump list or anything else? Nope. I think everything else is pretty clean, man. I got a Green Lanterns a little iffy, man, but we got to see where this is going. Yeah, like I, I said, hope it goes somewhere. Soon. Yeah, I just my my hope is that it really does improve at some point soon. So I I get the sense that it's it's worth it to keep going. But with all that out of the way, that Kyle's is... gonna come back and be the main Earth Lantern. Oh, jeez. Well, I, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad 
we could get that in right before we close out because uh, I think we, <laughs> I, I think it's really just you and maybe some of the other diehard Kyle Rayner fans that are holding out for him to come back. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We shall have to see. But if, if I don't, if, so. <laughs> if 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 anarchy is is dead as we think he may be, if, if, unless it turns out to be some thinker, if anarchy is dead, then then, then Kyle can be dead too. It's my trade-off. Hold on, hold on. First off, first off, first off if anarchy, anarchy if, has if, never been an A-lister. If, if they can, if they two, can kill off my... we already know that there are plenty of anarchy. If they can guys. kill off my precious Lonnie Mackin, then, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Kyle can go somewhere else. You're just mean. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyway. That's the show, everyone. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week as we will be talking comics, and we hope you'll stop by. And, of course, next week we will be covering Detective Comics 1044, Robin number 7, Wonder Girl number 4, Harley Quinn number 8, and Task Force Z number 1, DC vs. Vampires number 1, Deathstroke Inc. number 2, and Aquaman the Becoming number two. And I believe, again, with DC schedule, it is literally a gamble to see if any of these books are actually coming out. But I believe we can also throw in Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target number one. But I have not seen any confirmation of whether that's actually coming out on the 26th. So I guess just hold your breath and yeah, pray that I, it I actually checked, comes. I checked, I checked just yesterday evening and, um, on the DC website itself. And I got action comics, 1036 deep target, the becoming they're putting out checkmate, but that's on the dump list. DC versus vampires, Deathstroke, detective, Harley, Robin task force Z TTA and wonder girl. See, I do not have action comics or teen times Academy here. So, hmm. well, you I know, for know. like the last month, and of course, we don't pull our schedule off the solicits like normal people do. But the 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 last month, the websites have just been really goofy, really off. League of Comic Geeks has been like way off more than usual. Yeah. Um. The the DC website itself, which is always a supposed to be a great backup, if you don't mind sliding that page across. Um. Th- that uh that's been messing up too or been yeah. incorrect in any case i mean even uh league of comic geeks is saying action comics isn't coming out until november 9th so i have no idea what's going on weird so anyways when we come back next week talking about comics we will have comics to talk about yeah at this point we should probably just like i don't even know if we should until they get their system together i don't even know if we should close out with what we're going to be reviewing next week like we can say, but it's always going to come with that caveat of there is a chance that these books Maybe. are just not <laughs> even going to come. Like, we right. have no idea. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we'll do that then. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, if you're we'll a reader, see. if you're a listener, you're tuning in for every week, right? Because you love us mm-hmm. that I hope much. so, yes. Exactly. It should be anyway. Um, yeah. but or at least you love them that much. Just, uh, they love all of us equally. <laughs> exactly. Um, But with that, there is only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot.
Mm. Mm.